Movies is going to be recorded and released twice a week, every week. Head on over to patreon.com slash so you don't miss a single episode. And you'll also be able to get exclusive access to series like After Dark, niche influential films of the 20th century, where each month I am going to be covering an underrated or overlooked film from the 20th century that had a lasting cultural impact that maybe isn't even noticed today. Go on over there again, patreon.com slash lowrest, $5 and up level. You're going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm probably going to give you a little bit of insight on the making of our feature film that we've been working on for the past year, Mass State Lottery. Patreon.com slash lowrest. Enjoy the show. This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. With me today is Hans, who uh, is a little on edge this evening. How, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I, I'm just, uh, my TV is broken, as you remember. It looks oh, like... It looks very vaporwave. It looks, like, it looks like a Vampire Freaks filter. Do you remember that website? No, I don't. What was no. that, 2000? All right, well... It, I didn't it, have the... Yeah, it was like 2000. a... <laughs> it was like a goth people uh, social media website uh, when MySpace was a thing. And the whole layout was just black with purple. Uh, so my TV kind of looks like it, it kind of looks like it belongs in that uh, Bam Stoker's Dracula, which is very uh-huh. what it is like. It, you can't even see it, but it looks it looks kind of cool, I guess. I just can't do anything with it. It's very annoying. What was that during the MySpace era? Yeah, that's when that website was around, I think. Um, OK, all right. I'll have I, to look I, into I, that. I, hey, there's a there's, speaking of which, yeah. before we introduce our, our special guest this evening, there's a MySpace clone right now called Hey Space. Yeah. Have you seen this? Yeah. I'm yes. kind of into it. I like it. I like it. That's early MySpace, too, and not before they started, you know, adding adjustments. Hey, we have Anthony Cisco back on the show, our residential now movie conspiracy theorist uh, expert. We did Chinatown. We did the two Jakes. Now we're doing JFK's evening. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back, man. Who are you scared of, Dave? Me? I'm afraid of everybody. Everybody. Agency. Mob Cubans. You just talk to us on the record. We'll protect you. I guarantee it. It was a day that changed our lives. I saw a flash of light in bushes and that last shot. An act that shocked the nation. The smoke came from behind the hedge. A moment when time stood still. Seemed like people weren't even breathing. Like you were looking at a picture. For one man, it became an obsession with truth. He's a DA in New Orleans. Don't you think the Kennedy assassination's a little bit out of your domain? A commitment to justice. Nobody's gonna tell me that kid did the shooting job he did from that damn bookstore. A sacrifice of everything he had. I think you care more about John Kennedy than your own family. For everything he believed. Nothing is gonna keep me from going ahead with my investigation of John Kennedy's murder. They tried to stop him from asking who. If I give you the name of the big enchilada, you know. Do I have to spell it out for you, Mr. Garrison? Then it's Bon Voyage Dino. They tried to keep him from asking why. That's a real question, isn't it? Why? The government's gonna jump all over your head, Jimbo. Why was Kennedy killed? I was saying people gonna kill us, Pop. Nobody's gonna kill us. Who benefited? You have any idea what you're getting yourself into, Daddy-o? Who has the power to cover it up? Warner Brothers presents Kevin Costner. Now we're through the looking glass here, people. In an Oliver Stone film. White is black, and black is white. People got to know. I'm a dead man! I say let justice be done, though the heavens fall. (laughs) 
I like this this nineteen seventies appearance you got going this time. You went from <laughs> hipster to like uh, inherent vice. Yeah, yeah. I'm riding it out. This is gonna be the new. This is just gonna be the look. That's pretty good. I think I think it's all yeah, personally. I, I also sh- I also shaved today, but it was mostly because it was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> It was just too long to look any decent because it's not thick enough. So it was just very long, straight hair. And I was like, I, it's time to, you know. Yeah, that's, that's not because you're Chinese, Chinese. So it doesn't like yeah. bunch up and fill out. It just gets longer, like strands yeah. of hair on your head. Terrible. It's great. And then I have like ginger hairs because I'm a fucking mutt. So it's it's just gross. What do you it's mean you like get ginger beard. hairs? Yeah, I get like ginger hairs and I get blonde hairs. And yeah, it's a, it's a mess. It's I'm, I'm, it's just uh, I'm just a mix of cultures that should not mix, you know. Chinese mm. and Germans should not reproduce. So <laughs> it's a strange. This is, what, this, this, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, but you're handsome though. You're a handsome oh. guy. Wow, that's the first time anyone has ever complimented. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. The uh, camera so. loved you. Well, yeah, we're, we're talking about JFK tonight. And uh, Anthony, where would you put JFK among your, your top presidents of all time? <laughs> Man, he... he uh... how, 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 how long was he around for? Like, uh, well, as president, I mean, for, for, like, for his age or for his presidency? He was only in his... No, no, his presidency. Early, uh, three years. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he almost made this. Okay. Yeah, he didn't really do. He didn't really do a lot. I think. I think the boomer, the boomer legend around him is, is sort of vastly uh, exaggerated. I think the stuff that he wanted to do is the stuff that people focus on. But the things that he did, they just went against the, uh, the sort of deep state at that time because it was just kicking off. And he was just kind of like, he, you know, he was, he was kind of a conservative Democrat and he wasn't really, you know, the movie has this like black woman saying like, he was doing so much for the colored people. And, and he really (laughs) didn't do anything. That was his brother, RFK. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I mean, for me, he's just more of a cultural artifact than a president really. You know, because yeah. he doesn't, he's not, like, he's not like Ike or anything, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, he didn't really have enough time to, to leave an actual imprint. It's all that retroactive, like Chadwick Boseman, Heath Lair. Oh, they were great. They were one of the best. <laughs> and yeah. they yeah, might have been. Chadwick's, Chadwick's Netflix movies were fucking awesome. <laughs> Such a great action star. The Five Bloods? Are you kidding me? It's tragedy, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously not to say that uh, you know they weren't pretty good, but pretty good suddenly becomes legendary, you know, in in a you know post mortem. But when was the last time that one of your presidents was not a cultural figure though, and like a real president? Because I don't think that's I happened mean, in my lifetime. There's a George H. W. Bush wasn't. Uh, he was probably the last one. I think he was pretty under the radar as far as presidents go. Bill Clinton was obviously. Infamous because yeah, that's he's where he started. Sex hound. He oh, loves yeah, yeah. getting hummers, you know, under the, <sighs> under the White House desk. Hell yeah. That's very... first black president. Yes. Yep. He was on <laughs> Arsenio. He played the saxophone. <laughs> yeah. Culture was born in that moment. And uh, yeah. George W. Bush, you know, he's kind of gotten a new, 
a new legacy uh, recently as like a harmless idiot. <sighs> yeah, that's terrible. Because because he he had a lot more involved with the nine eleven shit than and all just the no, Iraq he, War. Yeah, and, he flew one they, of the they, planes out here. He did. Well, he, paint, he, he paints now, just like Hunter Biden. That's Hunter like Biden the escape. <laughs> that escape from from this uh, nice people. Now they become artists and sell their paintings. Um, Hunter Biden's paintings. He just blows into paint. It's really cute for a five year old. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like his age range, isn't it? Doesn't he go for girls that old? So yeah. He's, uh, I mean, these text messages are pretty interesting that got leaked to the New York Post, <laughs> where it kind of looks like they might be talking about regular prostitution or uh, sex trafficking. It really could go either way. Oh, the ones where he was uh, the N word a bunch of times? No, that was to his therapist. He was just talking to like one of his lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Truly a great Damn. guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't. They're, they're, yeah. Go ahead, Anthony. Oh, there. I think they're just the the left is just using that as like a uh, it's not so bad, it's not so bad what he's doing. It's okay. He's cool. Yeah. He's prostitutes. <laughs> he's sex trafficking is fine because he's cool. Meth, meth is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's progressive, really. I mean, he he really does encapsulate a lot of the progressive values. And uh, the artifice of that, I think. And it's very telling. I mean, I kind of like that he exists just because they have to excuse that. They have to, like, shut up about it. And uh, it shows how flimsy the belief system is on that end, which is very obvious to people like the three of us. But then you have, like, your average everyday folks, like my aunts and uncles, who uh, are Massachusetts residents and just kind of autopilot vote Democrat every election, uh, starting to go, hmm. Well, maybe this was a mistake. Maybe, maybe these people are actually terrible. And, uh, you know, it all starts with JFK. JFK is to blame for that. Good old local <laughs> New England boy. Uh, they cannot get it out of their heads that every Demo Democrat is a Kennedy. And that's yeah. really why Massachusetts votes the way that it does every single election. Weren't yeah, and, Kennedy's and cursed, though? Didn't they, didn't they all die in horrible ways? Yeah, or killed people. Yeah. Right, like one of died. them died at sea. Like his son died at sea uh, after his plane crashed. And uh, uh, what's the other pudding head? What's his name? Uh, Ted died Kennedy. A brain tumor. Yeah, who led yeah. his? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they his, all died. Uh, his like... girlfriend drowned, and they kind of took that for blowout. Brian De Palma <laughs> yeah. Yeah. borrowed that for blowout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone that's connected to this family died horribly. I, I don't By the know way, if that was on purpose or it's just cursed. Uh, have you guys seen Chappaquiddick? It was a recent movie. Uh, that I was going to ignore it because I was like, oh, geez, what? I mean, anytime one of these like Adam McKay types decides, oh, we're going to we're going to, you know, riff on, uh, you know, uh, political families uh, history. And we're going to do like this kind of movie. Chappaquiddick was sold as like a very straightforward by the numbers, um, you know, historic drama. And it's a very funny movie. It's almost a hilarious movie. And it's intended to be underrated film that chappaquiddick and uh i think it was not joel edgerton but um one of the guys that looks like joel edgerton plays ted kennedy in that film hans you're on this duty i know you're half drunk already based sure. on your slurring of words but uh <laughs> feel you, free to, what is the movie called chapa what chappaquiddick good luck spelling that yeah 
It's like I think it's with, with a Q. Oh, yeah. I, I got it. Okay. Uh, the guy was in The Great Gatsby and played, uh, I don't know, one of, the, one of the bad guys of that film. Like the retarded guy. <laughs> Jason, Jason Clark? Jason Clark. Oh, yeah. Good call on that. Yeah, he's a Australian. He's a very good Ted Kennedy in that movie. And it's a, it's a pretty enjoyable film uh, overall. And then Robert Kennedy, uh, who, you know, uh, JFK would uh, spit roast girls with. He also suffered the same fate as JFK, essentially, just getting gunned down. At, I think it was the DNC or maybe a speech he was given after the fact. Yeah, he just won the, the, the Senate and uh, or he just won the uh, sorry, the primaries in California. And they think that the same people involved with Kennedy uh, killed RFK as well. So the mm. the. the but to get back before we to get back what you're saying about just for real quick about uh, Hunter and like the liberal elite kind of mindset, uh, and it has something to do with the movie because Martin Sheen does the opening narration, and Martin Sheen was like a super big leftist before he went like uh, born again Christian, but. I still think he's, you know, he's pretty firmly on the left, but he was like really leftist in the sixties. He was part of this, the theater company that I was with, this like anarchist theater company. And what he did with his kids was he like took them out one Christmas and like slept in the street to like teach his kids, Emilio and and Charlie to like what, what it's like to not have anything for Christmas. So that, that type of like fucked up, like just fucking your kids up with your liberal shit. It just, it, it there's just like a, a, a pattern with it mm. in terms you know, of now Charlie has, was, now Charlie has AIDS. What probably happened there is someone led Charlie off and was like, Oh, Hey, I got a bike over this way if you want it. And then Charlie wound up the fucked up sibling and why he's a mess right now from some kind yeah. of childhood trauma from that Christmas Eve. And uh, Martin's just guilty to this day. Guilty yeah, no and then uh, what's uh, the co- uh, fuck? What's his name? Corey, right? He's the one that made love to Corey. Well, yeah. not made love. It was more like a forceful <laughs> penetration. I can see how you can get those two things. You don't mixed know that. Up. Well, you know some neck kisses. It's like a, he, he raped a child. It's a... <laughs> yeah, he allegedly on the set of uh, uh, what was the Lucas on the Lucas, set of Lucas. Yeah. Which is all about how uh, Charlie Sheen cucks Corey Haim in high school, even though he's like five years older than him and his girlfriend is like his age. Uh, he apparently took him behind a trailer and anally sodomized him and was like, all, all the guys our age do this. Which is probably <laughs> true as Hollywood, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool to have uh, blood and shit running down your leg. Just walk it off. It's fine. Just don't it enhances it. the performance in the movie. Walk it off. Goddamn. Yeah. Now get back in there. You know, speaking of stars, this that- JFK is packed full of stars, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. This is a star-studded cast. This it's- is. This is. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I, when I when they were doing the opening credits, they don't even show some of the names there. Like, I don't think I don't recall John Candy coming up in the opening credits, and then I he popped up on screen. I was like, "Whoa, okay, we're in for that as well." Uh, I I I mean, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is quite the uh, the stunner in this movie. I would Absolutely. say Joe. I mean, Joe Pesci's last great uh, gasp 
in terms of his acting career, aside from The Irishman, obviously, because, I mean, it was all downhill after this, wasn't it? Actually, no, yeah. sorry. My Cousin Vinny, I think, might have been 1993. So that was. And then he started doing movies like Gone Fishing. And that was yeah. really the end. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's with uh, Danny Glover, Danny Glover. Morgan Freeman. Oh, right. Yeah. The other Morgan Freeman. <laughs> the other Morgan Freeman, right. The, the, the least expensive one. Yeah, I think uh, everybody everybody wanted to be part of this. And it was the last movie that they'll ever make of something like this in this kind of way. There's no way they'll ever do it again. Because this movie is like, this is the, I was saying, like, this is the one movie. This is one of the, one of those movies, like a fucking Christopher Nolan movie or some bullshit. But it's mm-hmm. like, it, 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 you have to listen to every line that's said. Because this movie isn't, it's not even a movie. It's like. We're presenting a case. This whole movie is a case. It's not a documentary like he says in the, the commentary, Oliver Stone. But the whole thing is like we're just presenting all of the bullshit that the Warren Commission missed, the Warren Report or whatever missed, and and that's it. Like here's all the weird shit and all the holes. And after that, they came out with a movie called Parkland recently it's by playtone tom hanks produced it this guy jim diovizio uh diogenio i'm sorry uh he um he wrote a book called reclaiming parkland and it's all about like the hollywood industry and how it works now about like um if you want to make a movie about the uh the military you have to get a pentagon has to get the script they have they have final approval of the script they get to make editing choices they they send a representative on set the whole time when when they give you the equipment and then afterwards they're the first ones to see it and can make um uh adjustments to the editing for things that they missed uh in reviewing the script and people like Spielberg and Tom Hanks are like these just stupid hollywood you know uh liberal elites who they like they don't know really what uh, they just want to be cool. They want to be part of the in crowd. They both came from, at least in this book, he talks about their backgrounds. They both came from like Spielberg was was like a middle middle uh, middle American kid. It's like ashamed of being Jewish. He always wanted Christmas lights and stuff. His parents told him no, and so he, and he's he's like said this in interviews. And Tom Hanks comes from like a broken home, and his mom had a bunch of boyfriends coming over, and he was like a stupid little theater kid, and and um. They just want to be like part of the group. So they make these like propaganda movies to be like, hey, we're one of the guys, you know, it's like, oh, we want to be part of the in crowd. So they just kind of the military, you know, the Pentagon people just kind of use these idiots to get their propaganda out. Yeah, I've noticed Tom Hanks is uh, inserting himself into the modern writing of of history with a lot of the CNN propaganda shows like the 1980s. And they give you like a best of it's like. Uh, I love the 80s on VH1, but taken seriously, you know, they give you a quick 10 episode recap of the decade, the best of what you're supposed to know from this period of time. Uh, They like pushing that on, I think, HBO Max or or one of these services, which ironically is how I watched JFK. They have the theatrical cut of that movie. And uh, I mean, I, I, I really appreciate what Warner Brothers was doing during this time where they would take a massive gamble and put it on the shoulders of one filmmaker who's, uh, you know, very, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's gone, but just, just no, has like a very, well, I don't know, very 
ambitious he's got a lot of yeah. ambition with this project very right. simple word just i woke up from a nap a half hour ago so don't <laughs> don't kill my credibility here uh same with spike lee making the malcolm x movie that comes out around this same period of time um and uh is uh, you know similar in its controversy it's about three and a half hours long just like this movie costs tons of money to make but they pulled the plug on that while it was in production, they said, this is too much money. We're not going to do this. You find the money yourself. And he had to go around to a bunch of black celebrities and basically say, look, you know, I'm the voice of the culture. It was Malcolm X. He's dead. Give me some money. Give me some loot. We can finish this. And they came through. So uh, Warner Brothers was in the business of doing like modern epics out of uh, mid, late 20th century uh, icons. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and didn't they do Full Metal Jacket too? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, that this was all during the. I mean, they had Stanley Kubrick on contract for. Uh, I mean, he could do essentially whatever he wanted uh, without having any interference whatsoever. From I think two thousand one onward, that might have been MGM, and they weren't owned by Warner Brothers at the time. They are now. Uh, actually, they might be up for sale currently, but for a period of time, the MGM library was owned as. Uh, you know, subsidiary of Warner Brothers. So yeah, the um, uh, you, you know, they always say like the '70s movies ended with um, there's like three big movies, right? That that failed, that that cost a lot of money. It was like Big Wednesday, Sorcerer, and Chimino's uh, war uh, Western. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think like that's kind of like a little part of it. But I've been watching a lot of these '70s movies, and a lot of them are really subversive when they're talking about the government. You know, low res. We did Parallax View, oh, and yeah. uh, also just like uh, uh, the Last Detail, and movies that are about like just or or even Apocalypse Now and all these. I think these started to it really started to get to the to the uh, back to the Pentagon. Or just back to like Washington of like, hey, you know, this is like our propaganda machine and they're kind of fucking it up. Mm -hmm. So I think we're not going to like sign off on any of this bullshit. We're not going to give them any of our gear or any of our uniforms or anything like that until they, you know, until, and then I think that thing was like put in place in terms of like getting sign offs on shit. Do you think that it's that we don't have, I mean, do you think it's that? That, that's taken root that is obviously curving uh, 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 filmmakers that maybe would take the steps to make these, um, you know, explorative films that analyze uh, controversial aspects of our, our modern history. Do you think it's that or do you think that we have less adventurous filmmakers now who'd be willing to hop into something with that kind of scope to it? I think that I think that they. uh I think that they are just like everybody and they're hungry and they're looking for work and they're like, Hey, we have this, you know, this, uh, fucking pro war Avengers movie that we're making where they just kill all these aliens. You, you want to do this and we'll give you you know a few million dollars for this. And they're just like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do that. I, I don't think that there's anybody who has the, the kind of like stupid balls that like someone like Oliver Stone has. You what know, do you think of he's him like... as, as a filmmaker? Because I, I think that his 80s work especially is uh, entertaining and at times borderline masterful. And then the 90s is interesting still, but I don't know if the, the quality is there. 
Yeah, I think because he's an alcoholic. Like I think, <laughs> I, but I but I really I really like his I really like his um his uh his method of like using different film stocks and editing choices and i think his writing is a little static but i think that he's like he's he's always getting at something and and it's it's not the same as like um you know he he always injects some heart in there so it's not like a uh like a like a stanley kubrick movie where like the dialogue is you're you're it's kind of emotionless sometimes you know like like nolan as well but like no I, i think he's great i think I think he's great. I don't like any of his any of his stuff pretty much after Natural Born Killers. I thought that was really cool and experimental and I know it went against like Tarantino's uh vision for the thing or whatever, but I mean he sold it so mm-hmm. but 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 like dude The Savages is a terrible terrible movie. That's a movie huh. with Benicio yeah. del Toro. I have not seen this movie. I heard I here's what I've heard. I've heard mixed things about it. I heard that the theatrical cut sucks and that the director's cut is good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean Alexander was pretty garbage. I I liked I mean, I tried to I watched the director's cut, watched it all, and I thought like it was a it was a step up, but it was still like, what are you it was interesting. Again, it was like a he was getting at something the great man thing. And, and it, there was some cool stuff, but also remember he did Snowden. Oof. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, <laughs> seems like, it seems like lately, I mean, after the year about 2000, uh, he's just bored with fiction or with fictional content and he becomes obsessed with uh, the political yeah. climate and you have W you have Snowden, all these movies, which, you know, he seems to desperately wanting to make some sort of cultural impact the way that JFK might've, um, and he fails to do World so. Trade Center. Oh He's yeah, yeah, yeah. World Trade too. Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you- I, I, I honestly thought this movie was really terrible visually. That's one of the things that I was bored with. That it, when you're going to present me a movie that's three hours long, I need more than close up reverse close-up and mid and then documentary footage and this movie was close-up reverse and mid and then documentary footage for the entire time so at like hour number two i was like all right fucking show me something different any type of creative anything it just felt like i was watching like a soap you know where it's very in your face and and also i i just I guess my biggest issue was that I, I really don't care about what happened to I I, I couldn't care less about American politicians, uh, especially because that's uh, clearly this not is pre- true based on your Twitter feeds. <laughs> Rest in peace. Hold on, all, but the, because this is <laughs> this is presented as as like you know this very nice guy or whatever, or he's still seen as like a, a, the nice or the good president. But after like being old now and like learning everything that America has done to my neighbors, even. It's kind of like, I, I don't feel bad for this guy getting his fucking melon blown out. I don't give a shit. You know, like they've killed other people in other countries and other places and they've not given any type of uh, attention. So why would I feel bad about this rich guy that got killed? I, so I like that on, connection with me was like, sure. Yeah. I, th- I, I do think that Oliver Stone <clears throat> certainly inserts that uh, sentimentality that is yeah. rampant uh, in the late 20th century. Uh, really 1960s onward, which is kind of like, a, you know, a longing to resurrect 
some of that wholesome American feeling from the 50s <laughs> that is dead and is completely wiped out now. I think it's fucking 2% of the population. Um, I mean, well, Kevin Costner, not, not but the, cr- he cried at the end. <laughs> he <yeah>. cried. <laughs> he gets like a, you know, I want this nation to be back or whatever the fuck he said and it starts tearing up. And I'm just like, what do the not fuck forget. am I? What? Do not forget yeah. your forgotten king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like, just like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. But I think, so, I, I mean, you're, you're kind of, I think you might be getting caught up on that when it's completely about the erosion of, uh, you know, what the American system is supposed to be and how it's been co-opted by these dark agencies behind the scenes. And I think this is really the start of it. And now it's transparent to maybe yeah. about, it. I would say, realistically, a quarter of the American people generously close to 50 percent of the american people i, I think i think, I think yeah no, i think you're right yeah. man i think you're right there's just a lot of people that don't like talking about it because mm-hmm. they don't want this shit in their head while they go to work or they're dealing with <laughs> fucking relationship drama they don't also want to be like yeah my my president is a puppet and he's just like representing <laughs> you know he's saying like yeah we're gonna we're going for peace meanwhile he's like making arms deals and shit like obama did with the fucking isis people and like accidentally created isis mm-hmm. when they're just you know if you've noticed like trump gets in right and i know they go like every and, and the right kind of like gives him credit for destroying isis but if you think about it it's like trump gets in and isis just goes poof into the wind like it's just gone it, yeah okay if they bombed them sure but like they were still bombing them but when as soon as obama leaves trump gets in gone they're just gone that whole everything is over because that fucking channel stopped because that's what trump I, I, maybe he did that maybe trump did that was stop that channel of like right. of guns going from turkey into syria and what they were doing was just like handing them off to people who they didn't even know. They're like, oh, you're the guys? They're like, yeah, we're the guys. Okay. <laughs> and then they're like, I'm the guy. <laughs> well, how did that happen? Very, you know, I mean, honestly, that, that probably has to do with the management in third world countries because I, I would expect something like that would happen here. <laughs> if, yeah. if anything like that would happen just because of the corruption of just like we have it, so who gives a shit? Uh, but yeah, are they back now because Biden is in? Is that a thing or not? I uh, think they're not. just like that's done. That project's yeah. over. We're we're looking someplace else. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think I, low res though. You called uh, you called that shit. I mean, he says he says it at the end. Uh, Garrison says it at the end in that speech about like this is the that was the end of the idea of the president being the the guy in charge. But but that's the very end when it's the ending actually starts. The prologue to this movie is the end of Eisenhower. And they talk about this, I think at the very beginning in that narration. Um, He's supposed to have, Eisenhower, Ike is supposed to have a meeting with Kerchief about East Berlin. And like, actually, like they were going to try to get East Berlin out of this deal. It was going to be Ike's legacy, really. So he's going to this like, I remember it's like a G20s or whatever that summit, like over in Europe. And he tells the intelligence people, you know, he tells the military and all this shit. It's like no surveillance under any circumstances. Is there to be any surveillance uh, or spying or any of those operations going on right before I'm about to meet this guy? And so as Eisenhower is over there, the U-2 spy plane, which they've been working on for years, right? And David Ferry, Joe Pesci's character – 
this is where he meets Oswald in Japan working on this base on the U-2 spy plane. And the people who worked on the U-2 spy plane and flew it, practiced flying it, uh, developed alopecia. Mm-hmm. And they say that this is how Ferry got his alopecia. So while Ike is over in Europe, they shoot down the U-2 spy plane. Somehow they knew how to track this thing, even though it was really hard to track. At, when they shoot this thing down, Oswald is in Moscow. And after the thing is shot down, Eisenhower and the, 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 the meeting he's supposed to have a kerchief is called off. And they say that that's why Ike made that speech about the military-industrial complex, that little, that little blurb that he mentions in, the, in his fail, farewell address. They say that that was the, – the impetus for that was because the military went over his head and, and send, sent in the plane. And so the idea is that like they were, they were already going like, no, 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 we need to have the, – the, the idea is that Oswald was sent over there on purpose to give them um, the ability – to track the U-2 spy plane so they could shoot it down so they keep those tensions high because it was making money for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I really do think we're reaching uh, a good saturation point when you don't even have a regular president now, just to go back mm-hmm. to what was being said before, but somebody who uh, has to take like 30-second breaks when they're giving a speech Uh, I think it's very transparent to a lot of people, at least one full party, that the president's not in control of the presidency, uh, especially this time. Uh, I mean, who and who realistically knows what it's been like from that period of post-Ike up until even Trump? Because a lot of Trump's decisions felt like this doesn't seem to me like what his personal decision was. He probably had you know, associates that were working behind the scenes that were certainly shoving the needle in one direction uh, that maybe even was counterintuitive to a lot of his messaging to begin with. Um, so I, I, I do feel like a new chapter of the country's history is born out of that time. And uh, what the story is on this whole stretch, I think we have some thing of how it is now and the Nixon impeachment or failed impeachment, didn't come to that, he resigned, uh, and Watergate, everything. You know, that that whole cluster of mid-20th century moments, we feel like, all right, the book's been written on that, but I don't think it has been. I think within a relatively short amount of time, I think within the next 20 to 50 years, maybe, you're going to see a new, I think you're going to see a new conclusion drawn about this whole timeline that's occurred maybe and that's an optimistic look at things if some some truths come to light do you mean that things things are going to change enough so that people are going to look back at this as like i think things are going to decay that shouldn't happen if things decay enough and people get organized to counteract that as opposed to just succumbing to it and allowing that decay to remain in control all the way through to its very conclusion Mm -hmm then I think you're looking at a tweaked version of history that's more honest to what was occurring from that period of the JFK assassination up until what we're experiencing at this very moment in time in America. There's still 15,000 documents that are classified in the JFK assassination 
uh, Trump was going to release them in June of 2020. And it was a big thing. He was really interested in it. And then he gets visited by the CIA. And then he postpones the release of these documents for like a week. And then a week comes and then they postpone them again for three years. So now it's up to Biden to release these papers. That's so, <laughs> yeah. So, so it, 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 what, the, the, the thing with, with JFK assassination is that it, it, the, the thing that is so, that fucks people up. If you listen to the Oliver Stone commentary of it, is that like he was saying, it's like as soon, it's like Alice in Wonderland, as, as soon as you start reading the books and start reading into this shit, because it connects to everything. Like there was this thing called Operation Northwoods. Oh, where yes. this, yeah, right, know, the CIA. This, go ahead. Yeah. 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 They're, they're trying to create a false flag attack on uh, Guantanamo Bay using pro Cuban or uh, anti Cuban exiles. And uh, there's another idea about thr- flying drone plane into a building. So that's like 9 11 shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, it can go to, into UFOs with the U 2 spy plane stuff with the, with the stealth bomber. I mean, it's like, it all kind of wraps into this one event. And then when you followed these trails, these little evidence trails, they always link to one thing, to another person, to another person. They're all the same people linked up. And it's just like just forming this fucking circle. Crazy. Do you guys think anything would happen if uh, those documents are released and some real shit comes out that hasn't come out yet? Because I think, I think the country is divided enough and not holding uh politicians responsible i mean i don't know if you can even hold responsible anyone that's still alive from that right that who could be held responsible for it so uh, i i don't understand postponing the release of the documents for so long when everyone that could be put in jail or whatever it's probably dead by now i mean well i think the idea would probably be something along those lines i mean maybe you just continually postpone uh, the release date, which is which, I mean, at the end of the movie, I think it was set to what twenty twenty nine or twenty thirty nine. Well, that 29. was that was the that was originally the date. After yeah. that movie, that they they released this thing called the Assassination Records Review Board. So they released everything that they were going to release in twenty twenty nine, except for fifteen thousand these fifteen thousand documents, which are left over, and a lot of them are heavily redacted, still. But what I what I think is what they're doing is just like when they were putting out those recruit videos about how hey we we want gays and trans and we'll pay for your you know we'll pay for your transformations and we'll uh, you know we're and so that when these documents do come out it's going to be like oh it's those old evil white men who are all dead but now the CIA we're yeah. we're all trans we're all colored we're all people. POCs yeah all POCs. you imagine how terrifying good guys. did you guys see the drag queen Nickelodeon video. Where she's dancing and singing. Can you imagine if the CIA all looked like that? How fucking horrifying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That would be more like scarier than seeing two guys in suits following you. Yeah. You just see two fucking trannies <laughs> two wearing two, two seven feet foot. Two seven yeah, seven feet tall, fucking muscular men wearing gigantic orange wigs. No. <laughs> no, no. I prefer a couple of scary men in suits. <laughs> yeah. Give me the scary white men with the fedora hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you guys get the impression that that's America? Like, so I feel like during the Bush era and uh, certainly through like the, the Obama era and Trump era, uh, America, the avatar of it to the rest of the world was like an obese, dumb idiot. 
and now I feel like it's a trans. I feel like oh, it's yeah. a trans is the avatar because yes. so it's still an it's still an obese idiot, but it's a trans. Obese just idiot. a trans. <laughs> 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 uh, man, I uh, I envy you, Hans. That you you don't have like a real cultural identity. You have too many cultural identities yeah. to have to be bound That's by true. one. Whereas, well, uh, listen. Uh, Right now, one of our uh, biggest candidates to be the next president is someone that was president 10 years ago who uh, flew to Ireland and Switzerland to hide because there was a case about an assassination that he was responsible for <laughs> and because he also stole a shitload of money and implemented a bunch of things that ended up ruining the country for like t 10 years. And now he's back and he's like, hey, I'm renewed i'm new he's by the way he gets a pension that's the highest salary than anyone can get in this country and he still gets that and wants to be president again and there's a lot of over 50 year old people that because of that same thing that you mentioned about jfk where they're just like i just vote for this party that are supporting him and he's probably going to be our next president that so, guy sounds like a baller does he have like a drake black guy like shaved beard and <laughs> no no sweatsuit and big chain no he's He's a bald guy with a big head that used to have a mustache, and now he doesn't. That's like the only thing that's changed. Like the the only thing he changed about his image is that he doesn't have a mustache now, so you can trust him. It's really third world country retardation. Like it's very much like it makes you. It may. It, it reminds me of where I'm living. You know, or it's kind of like oh, so you were alive when this. You were adults when this guy fucked the country up, and now he's back, and he's How like, oh yeah, let's go he? vote he for him. President. Ten years. I mean, what? What? How old do you have to be to run for president in Costa Rica? I I don't know. Forty. Uh, it's not that old, to be honest. The last uh, or the president right now, he's uh, younger than fifty, I believe. Uh, so I, I I don't know. I don't really pay attention that much to Costa Rican news because I like I just stay in my room. Like I, I would don't you really, say you're more well versed? I'm in the part of news or Costa Rican yeah. news. The American. News? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not part of society here. <laughs> like I just go to my friend's house and chill, and then I just go to the supermarket and get food and come home. That sounds like I'm like, not part of anything that happens here. Yeah, sounds like me That's after the... my one week trip to Japan. I just switched everything over to Japan. I was like, I was, I was so happy there. I hate it here. I'm just gonna act <laughs> like I'm in Japan. No, I think yeah. that's the trick is to. Um... If you're just a sane per, just having a normal one in America, you have to be, basically Hans pilled, and just yeah. like go to the supermarket and just be like the Blabowski and, you know, yeah. it, and that's it. Like it, that's the only way to stay normal now is just like just on our last elections. Like uh, the, 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 the two big candidates was the guy that ended up being president. And the other guy was someone that doesn't even have like a university degree, but he's a preacher. So by just being a preacher like that, that qualified him enough to be like the second biggest candidate and he's going to run again, I think. So it's that type of thing where if I pay attention to it, I'm just going to be miserable all the time. So I'm just like, fuck it, whatever. I'll, I'll just, you know, I, I work and I survive and that's it. Like, I don't really worry about any of that shit. Yeah, I like it. I want to get to that point, too, where people tell me shit that's going on in America. I'm just like, what? I have no idea, man. I have <laughs> yeah. no idea what you're talking about. I, I clipped my toenails today. You want to see them? I keep them on me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like when the, when the coronavirus thing got awful here like we had shutdowns at 6 p.m you couldn't leave your house and i was just like oh cool i don't even know yeah. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't leave my house anyway so it's yeah. whatever i don't i don't care yeah, yeah.
that yeah that was essentially like the end of when we were filming mass state lottery it's just oh there's a there's a pandemic happening people are taking that seriously I, yeah i'm just gonna walk yeah. through penn station without a mask and not care about anything <laughs> yeah four guys living in a train in one just, tiny a tiny yeah. room we're just gonna sneezing and farting on each other and sharing food and, and drinking out in the rain short sleeve shirts and short just not care yep. at all about sickness or health while um, it's snowing, by the way, <laughs> while there's snow outside, yeah. yeah. All, all, all I've seen from from I just went and walked the dog like a couple of, before we did this, and the, the, what all I've seen are like people wearing terrible clothes. Same people, you know. It's like, but now they're out at restaurants again. So all this thing was was just like a, some inconvenience for the 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 sort of uh, like. like the liberal elite that can afford to live here and go to restaurants and that's all that's the only people who who were really put out everyone else is like i i I, you know they they were the only one not not put out but like inconvenienced and then and then everyone else is like we're all forced to wear the mask and i do background work on tv shows and movies and shit and and they you know they treat us like we're just like these like uh just dirty plague written, you know, I was just doing like some Blair Underwood movie and there's all these protocols and they don't want to like even write you a check. They don't want to like have you sign your sign out sheet. Cause yeah, you're gross. that's a good excuse is coronavirus is why we can't pay you this week. Ah, we can't, we can't touch <laughs> pens this week. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe the end of the month. Just check back in. All right, we'll we'll get back. To what you. do you want us to give you coins? You know how <laughs> dirty coins are. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. how's how's your neck of the woods uh anthony because people are not wearing the masks anymore in uh in queens from what i know just old just old people still wear it they're still they're they've been totally fucking warped they're scared and then and then pretty much everybody else now nah, no one's really wearing a mask up here because it's all it's all kind of rich people mm-hmm. yeah it's all you know doormen and uh you know just people yep. that are working behind the counter at places and then occasionally yep. You know, you'll get like a very snooty looking older lady or a guy with a T-shirt uh, where his hips are very accentuated in the T-shirt. You know, very, I play <laughs> yes. video games most of the day and, uh, you know, eat sweet snacks. And then I go out sometimes that kind of body look, you know, so aside from that, it's really, uh, you know, there's, there's a, 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 you know, a prominence of facial freedom seems like. Yeah, it's good. It's nice. I like, it's refreshing. I, I, seeing all these eyes fucked up only only about uh maybe a week and a half ago i went to uh coney island which was oh my god that was a disaster that was despicable and ugly jesus um but nobody was wearing a mask anywhere there and then i'm hopping on the subway to go back which is like an hour and a half two hours and no one's wearing masks halfway and then eventually i'm the only guy without a mask on everybody's looking at me like (laughs) i'm fucked up mask land you end up in mask land Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Why don't, uh, are you know. vaccinated? Are you Are you guys both vaccinated? Well, to the concern of the, <laughs> the people that work the door and own the, this building, yeah, I'm vaccinated. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm gonna have to. I think I'm gonna have to do it before because they're charging a uh, hundred bucks for a test before I, I am able to try. Like I'm going to Vegas in, in July, and. Uh, 
apparently they charge you a hundred bucks just to get a negative test before you fly. I'm just like, I'm not, no, it's just like, I'll get what? the fucking vaccination. I'm going to pay a hundred bucks. Yeah. Before you're able to enter the States, you need to bring like a negative test and there, because, uh, you're supposed to get it just a couple of days before you fly. I think it's 48 hours. So they charge you a hundred bucks to get it that quick. It's just like, I'd rather get the vaccine. I'm going to pay a hundred bucks so I can get oh, it. Man, are we going to have to take precautions for when you come back? Besides that, well, apparently. because now I'll be vaccinated. I'll be vaccinated. I'll be fine. You though, you will have to wear a mask just so I'm you don't infect shit. us. I'll let you cough in my mouth. You can lay right on top of me, I, naked, I got, I, and cough in my mouth. I mean, I, got I, the I don't vax. think we need to. I don't think we need to get I, to that I, point. But yeah, the first dose of the vax that I got was I was I felt it like immediately in my left testicle, and I was like, "All right, I guess I'm not having kids. <laughs> not not from that nut. That nut's dead." <laughs> And racing <laughs> just shriveled into a raisin just like that's weird yeah it All felt right, like a well. pinch i was like oh and and then and then it just felt like a foreign element in my body the whole time it just it it was really uncomfortable and weird and uh but they're i mean they're making everybody do it and and then i heard that people are getting shit from like people who are vaxxed so uh, like like people who are vaxxed are like shedding this DNA thing, this like that spike protein, they're shedding that shit. Like when you get sick and you like have a fever and you sweat it out, it's like people are naturally sweating out this thing that they shot you with. So people are having like weird reactions who haven't been vaccinated. Like women are getting like their periods are all weird. Guys are getting like boils and shit. And I got like one on my forehead because I, you know, live with people that are vaxxed and shit. So I was like, Dude, I'm not the fucking fuck? this. Just give me the shot. Oh, no. Don't mess with yeah. my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing to, that is to get yeah. a boil uh, right on your head. Right, <laughs> right on your forehead. Yeah. <laughs> because like they're, they're going to end up forcing everyone to take it anyway. So it's kind of like, fuck, I'm just going to fight it. You know? my par- both it. of my parents. Just, got... just get the fake. Just Listen. make some fake papers in Photoshop. You got the back. <laughs> Both Sorry. of my parents got it, and my dad is weak enough that he had a stroke. So I mean, <laughs> if they survived, I'm sure yeah. I'll. And if I and if I don't survive, you know what? I wasn't meant to be alive then, because if I fucking vaccine killed me, then it's like, then what am I worth? So so, you know? so this 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 also links back to David Ferry because David Ferry, you know, the Joe Pesci character, he says in the movie, I'm working on a cure for cancer. I'm working on a cure for cancer. Remember in the hotel room, he says he's working on lab rats and mice. His whole apartment was filled with like, yeah. Uh, OK, so he was actually working at a lab that uh, was trying to find a cure for cancer. And also they say that 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 same lab, they were working on the AIDS virus. Huh. Wait, so is that why his wig was so horrendous? Because he had alopecia and they just wanted to make it obvious? He, well, no, because he made it. David Ferry made ah. it. He, he actually handmade his wigs and his eyebrows. This, so yeah, this was what about something Tom? that I did not know at all when we were watching JFK for the first time. I was like, what yeah, the f- I, I mean, the budget of this <laughs> three and a half hour movie, that's the wig they gave Joe Pesci. And then I posted yeah. on Twitter, and uh, Anthony, you explained it to me that this was the character mm. And I got it. And, you know, you can see it, like, deteriorate throughout the movie. But that first go, I was like, what the hell? 
Yeah. All right. Well, what about what about Tommy Lee Jones's wig then? Ooh. What's wrong with that one? <laughs> <laughs> what happened uh, there? He had alopecia too. It's uh. Yeah. <laughs> he had like a weird white afro thing. Yeah. Like a weird jufro. Yeah. Well, that guy actually had it. Wasn't it Clay Shaw? He actually his hair looked like that. What I think was interesting though is that. He, he he gives one of the best performances like you could tell he loved playing this like cl- closet homo mm. like he was just so like oh of course what are you having me doing like, well it's the only time i think that i've seen tommy lee jones play somebody who isn't like a rugged man like yeah. essentially himself yeah, yeah, yeah tommy yeah. lee jones look he's a good actor but aside from this performance and then you could say obviously like batman forever where he's doing something also very flamboyant you know indulging that flamboyant side that he's tucked away for so long. Uh, he's essentially just playing, you know, crotchety older guy in every movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, 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 every role in this movie is like, I, I think it's kind of brilliant. Like every single minor role gets like a funny ass line to say. They get like some memorable line to say, like um, Ed Asner, when he's like, I always like my files. Remember, he's like, he's. <laughs> He's kind of going off, and then uh, uh, who else? Oh, uh, Kevin Bacon. He's like, you know shit about life because you ain't never been fucked in your ass. <laughs> Kevin Bacon was so good in this. Uh, he was my favorite, and uh, um, I, I love John Candy's little cameo thing, and I thought Gary Oldman, like this was very, I don't know how early in his career was, but he looked very young in this, and he was really this was good. Not- uh, I also like. It wasn't early in his career, but I think it was early in his American career when he was becoming a star here because he had done like plenty of like uh, British kitchen sink dramas uh, Mm. throughout the 1980s, Uh, Alan Clark films. I think he had done The Firm in 1989, Sid Nancy in 86 with Alex Cox. And this might have been his his first American film, like big American American film, I want to say. And he he does a terrific job, uh, even though his role is... Uh, severely limited um yeah and really i think confined to that first act of the movie especially then you have newman popping up too from oh Seinfeld. yeah they love throwing him in he was like uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what great. they do with the guy who played paperboy on atlanta where they'll just be like what where can we throw him in just like <laughs> any movie that was uh-huh. newman back in the early 90s yeah he's before he got in shape now he's in shape and it's just like no one wants to see that that's weird i want to see not fat newman so michael, now his career is just yeah yeah michael rooker is is also kind of like he's uh, kind of, yeah. yeah he's just drunk well, and mad it was weird to see him play a human i can't remember the last time i saw michael rooker playing a human not a cartoon of a redneck you know yeah which is what he always says and this this time i don't i don't even think he had a southern accent here did he Oh no, he did. Oh no, yeah. boss! You saying that uh, they killed the president of the United States? Uh, <laughs> and it, it, was, it was kind it was, of surprising to see him pop up and get like a credit in the beginning because I don't think he had done anything previously aside from Henry Portrait of a Killer, which was uh, not that big of a movie. I mean, it was successful, but it was still in the like horror category, so it was successful for a horror movie, which means kind of like nothing in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it had more of like a that midnight movie uh, feeling where it wasn't really like I don't it wasn't know if it was horror proper. It was yeah, definitely it wasn't more horror, of a crime yeah. movie, yeah. but it was marketed. And if you went to the video store, it was always in the horror section. Had yeah. mm. oh, the spooky high contrast cover. What about Henry Two? 
Oh, yeah. Henry, yeah. Henry too is a real big piece of <laughs> oh, shit. That's one of the great oh. like direct to video sequels to a movie where they get I mean, I don't even know the actor's name, but he's clearly like a soap opera no one actor. Does. Yeah. He looks nothing like Michael Rooker at all. And Henry two portrait air. of a killer, mask of sanity, longest <laughs> fucking title, semicolons, oh. dashes. They got it all so bad. It's uh, it's terrible. Uh, you know, he does also get a bunch of like classic actors. I mean, everybody who was on contract with Warner Brothers during this time pops up in this movie. You got Jack Lemon, Walter Matthau. You would mention Ed Asner. So you got both the grumpy old men <laughs> and the odd couple, the out to sea couple. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walter Matthau is great in this too. His little his little bit that he's got, and so is Jack Lemon. But but. Uh... But uh, yeah, he's he's like very mousy. But Walter Matthau is just like you could tell he was such a ladies' man. That guy, he was just yeah. clean who's, up the way he talks. The guy at the begin, the guy at the beginning, is that it? Asner, the one that has yeah. like a slow motion yeah. fight. I wish. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I wish, <laughs> I wish they had given that role to uh, to Walter Matthau just so you could see them interacting. But I was watching it with my girlfriend. She's like, "Oh no, no, no! You couldn't give that role to Walter Matthau because he's too mean to Jack Lemmon. Like he beats the shit out of him. So you wouldn't want that from the odd, you want the odd couple to bicker. You don't want it to be an abusive domestic relationship. <laughs> you don't want the Three Stooges. Yeah, yeah. You don't want, want Moe and Larry. <laughs> right. So uh, makes sense. And Ed Asner's fantastic. As you know, we've we've given him uh, plenty of credit throughout the the show this evening i feel like there there must be someone we're forgetting and the, i mean the cast is so oh kevin costner nobody said anything really about kevin costner yet. Uh, he was really to. the go-to guy <laughs> for this God type damn. of role at this period of time kevin costner they they tried to put him in like every enormous drama that required an everyman type of guy who's doing something extraordinary and it, did you see yeah sorry I was just gonna say it all came to a crashing halt with uh, with the postman. I want to say, oh yeah, yeah. The postman is really where everybody hit the brakes, and I am wearing your postman uniform for this show. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I just wear this all the time. I go out with this on. <laughs> yeah, I think this I is the second episode. With this on. I think it's the second episode in a row that you wear that. I think not in a you, row. I, it's been a week or so. Anyway, you look like you're, you're working. Uh, you look like you're working on that uh, ship on Alien. Like you're one of oh, like yeah. you're one of Harry Dean Stanton's uh, yeah. crew member. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, good luck. Uh, I w- what was I going to say now? Uh, yeah, so I, I was actually thinking about buying some wardrobe from the Postman because someone has the wardrobe <laughs> from that movie, and they just threw it up on eBay for like a hundred bucks a piece. You can get like a straight jacket that's like a shirt. It looks pretty dope. It looks pretty like you could go to you know Juggalo Festival with that on and be the, the coolest looking man around. Mm-hmm. He, yeah he, he, he was like fucking um he was like the new harrison ford uh kevin costner mm. he i was thinking he could no 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 okay hold on Hans. fucking ball durham <laughs> fucking ball durham Listen, is a new harrison ford no he, no he does not have the charisma love ball durham. of harrison ford or the <laughs> filmography but that didn't stop them from trying to make him right the harrison ford. Uh, did you did you see silverado no, I have not. That that wow. was um, Lawrence Kasdan. It's a western, um, and I think he plays like Billy the Kid or something like that. Like, uh, but he's really good in that, and he's really like um, unhinged in that. He's really like woo. He's like, got the six shooters and stuff, and he's really wild. Mm. And then I watched uh, No Way Out, 
and uh, the the other night. It's a really funny movie. There's just a lot of funny shit that happens in that movie, but <clears throat> he, he's a little more loose in that movie too. He's a little more loosey goosey. I think he got caught up with, you know, JFK. He does this like he kind of got caught doing these like weird um, accents. Like he's doing like a really sort of half fisted. Uh, uh, Louisiana accent and then he's doing like Robin Hood he's doing like a sort of weird British accent and that yeah, I, you know. yeah, I didn't I didn't care for his character at all <laughs> at all like I, I I I couldn't understand how they went for like he's supposed to be like these goody two shoes but then he gets so into his work that his family's but neglected. That, that's, just that's like, his role in every off. one of these movies is he's noble to yeah. a fault he's got his moral uh, code he sticks to it that's what he was in the Untouchables that's, that's what he is here uh, Waterworld, I cannot speak for, but considering Dennis Hopper's the bad guy, I'm sure that's why they cast him. You have the crazy, whacked out bad guy <laughs> and good, sane Kevin Costner. Makes and you have the emotional less uh, Kevin Costner who plays like a Spock character in that sure. movie, right? He's not supposed to show emotions. Yeah. Like, it, I just, yeah. I, he, he's always dad to me. Like, he's always a dad in the movie, even if there's no children. You know, yeah. even if there's not kids, he's just like that that boring bleh. i don't know i've never i've never been a fan perhaps he doesn't translate to you because he is like the american dad like it's a different type maybe like it, that, that, i have the same issue i have the same issue with tom hanks so maybe that's why but tom yeah. hanks is soft and tom hanks yeah. is a little too pillowy you know he'll make you feel good right uh to the to your own detriment whereas kevin costner feels very like hard-nosed this is how it has to be, uh, you know, fair, harsh, but fair, maybe. Like, like he's, he's like, he's like Gregory Peck and like Tom Hanks is Jimmy Stewart. Yes. That's a, that's a perfect analogy. Kind of. Yeah. He's funny. It's like you mentioned um, untouchables and in that Jim uh, Diogenio book, um, reclaiming parkland where he's going through Hollywood and stuff. And you were saying like the one thing that everyone remembers from JFK is that it's full of shit. Like you're like, yeah, it's a great movie, but it's completely full of shit. It's all bullshit. But what he what he's what, what the author was talking about was like, yeah, but if you look at the untouchables, Al Capone never beat a guy to death with a baseball bat. But you don't hear like when you think of the untouchables, like, yeah, that was a great movie, but it's full of shit. The same thing happened with Saving Private Ryan. It was supposedly based on a true story, and none of the shit ever happened. Like literally nothing of that ever happened. There's no there's nothing in the army that says like they have to go and search for the last boy and like bring him back home or anything and yeah, you never hear about Saving Private Ryan like oh great movie totally full of shit but it's only the JFK movie that gets stuck with it's it's totally full of shit and actually the stuff that is used uh that took like creative license for isn't really that big a deal it's like they're basically what, what he's just saying is like they're they're really they really just nitpicked and 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 the New York Times did this too like the New York Times, Time Magazine, like they, they, a lot of these uh, publications like trashed the movie by saying how like inaccurate it was. Uh, Oliver Stone's got a documentary coming out. It's going to be at Cannes or something and uh, this summer. And I read an article like an IndieWire or Collider or something. And it was like, the first thing it says was, you know, although JFK was full of shit, uh, it was a very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> They're like still repeating this bullshit. Nice. And the only yeah. things that are really bullshit in the movie is like some of the black and white scenes are stuff that he's like, I took creative license with like um, 
uh, Lee Harvey being in Cuba training the anti-Cuban uh, yeah. exiles. That wasn't that didn't happen. The other thing was uh, Clay Shaw was never at um, was never at Guy Bannister's office. He said that 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 had never happened. They had seen um, Lee Harvey, but they, no one seen uh, Clay. And then um, the other things is like uh, Donald Sutherland's character is a composite of a bunch of characters, and Kevin Bacon's yeah. character was a composite of a bunch of different homosexual men. And there was like one in particular, but I forget his name. But that was pretty much it. Everything else, and also like that monologue at the end that he's giving. <laughs> It's not exactly how he did it. Um, it also um, presents information that they found out after that trial, so he, he injected that in there. So this, you know, it's it's really nitpicking to discredit the arguments that are presented in the movie. Right. And so you know, I agree with all, you all that just, is extremely part of the course for uh, biopics, like compositing characters that might have been yeah. their own individuals into one. Uh, you know, again, if it was intended to be documentary style, it would have been a documentary. Now, I, I would say in the defense of that criticism, Oliver Stone does make this film more of a mission statement than The Untouchables is with Brian De Palma, where I think he's just trying to make an interesting movie or a visually interesting movie. Um, uh, because you do have uh, the intention there of <laughs> stirring up a little bit of trouble uh, and I, I had a question because I'm not entirely sure about this, but did th this movie JFK kind of mainstream conspiracy theory uh, culture? Sorry, say that again. Did, would you say that JFK brought like the the popularity of conspiracy theories to mainstream uh -huh. culture? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What was like? What happened before this one? That right. So that, that that's what I'm thinking that. of. Is I mean, well, actually, I mean, you did. I mean, we were talking about the '70s. We had movies like Parallax View, um, you know, the, that kind of government conspiracy thriller uh, was very popular during that time. But I don't know if it was really focused or honed in on the way that a lot of current events or uh, modern history events have been maybe re reanalyzed or contextualized and uh you know discussed in certain spheres in an alternate manner like uh obviously the i mean the jfk thing being one of the biggest i don't know what the conversation around that was like prior to this movie coming out because i wasn't alive so uh, i i'm not sure well well jim garrison you know he had this trial so he was thought up as a cons a conspiracy theorist but it's like i listened to that uh theogenio's uh he was on a podcast and he was like you know jfk was not is not a conspiracy theory jfk was killed by a conspiracy the only theory is who did it but there, he was you know but in terms of what the you know you you have to you think about jfk mlk rfk and so everybody that's why you get movies like the parallax view because that was actually part of the the culture then was like some shady shit is going on and we can't place it and and a lot of times like in parallax view it's like they say it's some corporation or something it's like it's not really the government you know they're they're but uh 
I think it was pretty popular, but I think JFK, this movie, mainstreamed it. And I think it's why they won't like make another movie like this again. Well, I was going to ask, do you see a second wave of that coming because of the Epstein thing? where I think we're in a new period that's not dissimilar. Obviously, it's away from, well, no, it's not away from politics, but it's not directly tied into politics necessarily. Even if Epstein's connections were, uh, you know, you know, tons of famous figures, presidents, uh, senators, etc. Do you think there's a potential for that? Because I know, and obviously, this is not JFK, too. But one of the Red Scare girls, Dasha, just won an award at the Berlin International Film Festival for her movie, which is mm-hmm. uh, an Epstein haunted house film, essentially. Yeah. What? Yes. This guy, uh, um, I, this one best first feature of some like outside of competition, but still, you know, part of the competition uh, thing at uh, Berlin. Yeah, I, I yeah. Um... I'm skeptical <laughs> because, yeah. but, but, you know, uh, Hey, if, if, if it's a, it's, if it's a good movie, great job. Um, but at, at the same time, <laughs> it's like, it's, it, it doesn't really go into what was going on with that. It's instead, it's like using it as a, as, to play within a genre, psychological horror, whatever it is. But I, I think that, um, you know, uh, movies like uh, Chinatown, movies like JFK. I, I don't. I, even Full Metal Jacket, like th- those won't ever get made again. And you, you think about um, when Zero Dark Thirty One, Zero Dark Thirty One, and I believe they they did a live feed at the White House, and Michelle Obama is the one who read out the best winner, and it was Zero Dark Thirty. So it's like you have the White House. Yeah, calling out the best movie, like that's fucked up. Like that—that's how you know this shit is just what what that what Diogenio uh, presents is that this mechanism in Hollywood, they don't even send the Pentagon guys there anymore because the 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 producers of the movie know all of the rules going in. So now they won't even they're they, they're like fuck. There's there this one guy at the Pentagon who started this, and and he did it so well. And he even like bragged about it. I was like, I did it so well. Like, I don't even have to do it anymore. Like, it's just, it just runs itself. So I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I think uh, mass state lottery will be a really interesting. <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Cause, cause I say, let's yeah. wait, let's wait. Let's... Yeah. Maybe, you know, well, just, just that kind of, cre- it's that kind of thing that inherent vice was trying to do that. I don't think it, it got the message across uh so well with is that it's like it's a it's pretty incoherent but when they're talking about um you ever hear of the golden triangle like there's this thing called the golden Zelda? triangle yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the triforce the golden tri yeah i think it's called the golden triangle it's like it's like in the movie um inherent vice they talk about the golden fang and remember the golden right. fang is like it's a drug running operation it's a union of dentists it's a uh, undercover cia operation so um so so in terms of like going straight at a conspiracy i think it's hard i think it's 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 better not better it's just easier if it's like masked in a bunch of bullshit like like that you know I, I, mean? I just think that for anything that 
anything to come out uh, regarding Epstein that's of note, uh, the people involved have would have to die before that comes out because I don't think that Bill Clinton's going to pay for anything he did. Uh, I'm sure they're going to wait until he dies so that they release anything because the people that are connected that are too powerful for that to come out. Well, hold on. No, but I, there's something about the Epstein thing that has been <clears throat> co-opted, I think, because of uh, leftists being so into it because uh, of the Trump connection. That's the thing that makes it accessible to the average person where they're kind of like, yeah, this is a thing. Yeah, it might have started at French culture, but we're going to go green light the Netflix documentary about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about my ties with Obama, who's been producing our documentaries the past five years yeah. uh, in spite of this. <laughs> you know, it, there's something about it where I think it's detached enough or people will hone in on the Trump element of that, that it Do you think people still care else. enough, still care about that now? With No. Because, like, that's the thing. Because America, like, your news cycle moves so quickly, even if it just moves to bullshit, that I don't think your people has enough memory or enough attention uh, to focus on something like this and still care about it. How long has it been since it's been dead? A year? Two years already? Uh, and nothing's come ago. out? Yeah, so people are probably already forgot. Like, no one thinks of Ghislaine anymore, right? She's still in jail, right? You can't right? say her name. I mean, you're going to think right. about this? Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It so, doesn't have the same spice. Know. It doesn't have the same energy. She's probably chilling on an island somewhere in the sun with a you know nice martini in her hand. Well, that documentary you mentioned and what you were saying, too, about be, having it be co-opted, it, that, that documentary focused on the victims. And so it was, it's being co-opted by those like same progressive, that progressive mindset of like, just focus on the victims, not how this thing started, not who is in charge of this thing, not who let Epstein run this thing. And, and all of his ties to, uh, I heard that he's like, he was like a gun runner. He was like, you know, he, you know, he was making arms deals and all that like really weird shit and how he's i really think that he was like a fucking uh this is this might be going off the the reservation a little bit here but i think he was an angel he was just, an angel he was, from yeah. heaven he was sent <laughs> a man of Christ. mystery yeah. he was, he was, he was a, like a spy <laughs> he was like set up by the cia as something that they could use and then when trump was in they thought that they could use him to get trump taken out and you know, to get taken out of office. And then Trump had his own guys and was like, yeah, but guys, we have all of this fucking, we have all of these, all of these photos. And so they had him and they were just like, ah, eh, fuck it, kill him. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. he, he can't do anybody any good now. You know? Yeah. And now it yeah. is that, like, I don't, I don't think people care enough for that to, I mean, I'm sure some, there's going to be one crazy person that makes, or that gets involved in it or goes too deep into it, it gets killed and no one, hears about him anymore i let seth rich you guys remember seth rich yeah the seth, all remember of that name seth rich movie that would be yeah. Dope. Yeah. that would be great <laughs> yeah 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 I, I find it weird that epstein dies epstein knows uh bill gates bill gates works on vaccines bill gates knows anthony fauci and then the uh, the year after this dude hangs himself the coronavirus gets you know gets released and then all this shit starts like 
was he funding that Wuhan lab or was, was he was helping the kill the switch? It? it was just in yeah. case this happens to me, release the coronavirus. Exactly. <laughs> it's what Julian Assange wish he had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I you know, it, the, the Epstein thing is complicated. I think as a subject, there could be life in it for things like what we're talking about, uh, Dasha, Dasha Nekrasova's uh, film. I think you can see it being um, uh, used in that context, but as like a big thing that's going to be analyzed for a series or whatever it turns out being like a documentary, I, I don't think that that's really going to make a difference. You'll probably get the true story on a lot of that about 10, 15 years when people start dying off or they're, you know, senile to the point where they don't even recognize their loved ones. Um, then that, that might happen. But at that point, like who gives a shit, you know, we'll be on to yeah. the next thing. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I mean, what, who would you guys, what, what would be the story of and who would you cast in Oliver Stone's Trump? Because we got JFK, <laughs> we got W the trilogy has to come to an end with Trump. Is this when Trump gets assassinated? Is this when he runs and wins the second time and then they kill him because they're like, fuck this. We're not doing the full four years. We'll do two months. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Huh. Trump. Well, I, I I think the guy that I think the guy that played him in that shitty series that what's his name put out. Brendan Uh, Gleeson for the Showtime show, Jeff Daniels. I think it was good. That series was garbage but i thought he was like he had a good performance as trump i think you get mickey rourke for trump right now (laughs) right now he has to look like that movie with his nasty tattoos and everything you can get uh eric roberts (laughs) to play pence and it'll be it'll be a great reuniting of the oh that'd be amazing who plays biden who's gonna play biden oh that's a good question and Mm. and george yeah george george clooney (laughs) seems like the obvious pick for for biden kamala you get uh Octavia Spencer. <laughs> you got Leslie Jones to play Kamala. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whoopi Goldberg is Kamala Harris. It'll be good. Yeah. What do you think about the Cosby movie? Who's gonna play Cosby? Who's gonna play Cosby? Denzel yeah. Washington. Denzel. Eighty-year-old <laughs> Denzel I could, Washington. I could actually buy that. Milky I could, Eye. I could believe him doing a Cosby voice and that, and then playing it up seriously too. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be. Terrific. I would love to see Denzel doing those pudding pop commercials in character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. <laughs> Chocolatey. Oh, um, yeah. What uh, I mean, are there any good movies that you could? I mean, I don't think you can pair a movie with JFK because of. I mean, it's an epic. I think it's an epic film, and epic films wind up standing on their own. But uh, you know, what would you recommend for the person who's really into JFK? Maybe the directing style, or maybe just the content of it and what it deals with. What kind of film do you think would um, go well as a follow up to something like this? Maybe in a similar vein or dealing with similar topics. That's a good question. I would say watch uh, that Parkland movie, uh, if, if uh, only because um, it's so completely different, but about the same subject. Is that the one? Very, is that the one where they just tell you the same story, but like a point of view of like five or six different people that were there at the time? I think I saw like, that, and I was just like, "This stinks." 
Uh, it was yeah. just like the same story, but just, oh, now it's the nurse and now it's the news guy. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Zach yeah, Efron is in it and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah and it's yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. and, and their, their, their like conclusion is like, oh, it was the mafia. The mafia right. did it. Yeah, the mafia yeah. killed Kennedy because the mafia knows how to. Well, he came back yeah. from, from death from syphilis. <laughs> it was Tony Soprano. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's that. That's the thing about okay. So three weeks before Kennedy's supposed to get killed, right? I mean, for, before Kennedy gets killed, he he has an attempt. There's an assassination attempt on him in Chicago, and they arrest three ex-Cuban. Uh, or uh, uh, anti-Castro exiles and they think that so you could see a situation where the mafia or something is is sort of slightly slightly involved in the peripheral but the uh what was the other thing um yeah so uh, fuck I forgot what my train of thought was but <laughs> but yeah that the, uh, yeah, I think that movie, I think if, it, you know, because we do Sloth Cat, you know, our, our Drunk on Movies series is about booze and movies. I would pair this with like a um, a martini because Kevin Costner is just drinking martinis throughout the whole thing. I'd say a <laughs> vodka martini with three olives. Mm-hmm. But what, what would you say? 60s gentleman drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would pair with Watchman. You know what? Other- hey. Watchmen actually did steal quite a bit. Yeah, that's a good. That's good, Hans. Dude, that's a good one. Yeah, just, just another three-hour movie that's way too long. <laughs> another three-hour epic that could be edited mm-hmm. for forty minutes. <laughs> you know, yeah. come to think of it, Patrick Wilson has kind of taken Kevin Costner's oh, role. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. call. Replace uh, a guy that's supposed to be much older than he is, and we're supposed to pretend that he's like 70 he's, like in those conjuring movies sure yeah he's a little more sensitive <laughs> than kevin costner kevin costner is i think a tougher man than patrick wilson and yeah. uh, he never had to yeah. endure a sex scene with lena dunham on girls like patrick wilson did either so yeah oh. also his hairline yeah. yeah well his hairline is not as <laughs> i think he makes it work for himself though i mean he's kind of one of the few <clears throat> leading man actors that does not have a great hairline and doesn't care to touch it up and has just kind of embraced it as part of his look which is good i think i think actors need to do that uh yeah. is embrace their imperfections because it gives them character yes That's right yes i agree exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. Um, I think I, I think that that could. I think that that a kind of a seventies thing could come back in a way, but I feel like it'll just be like washed out by just the identity politics stuff and tell boring stories. But I feel like that could come back only because of financial shit. Because they can't keep making these. I don't know what you think about like the new Batman movie. That thing looks really bad. And like, the, just uh, heard like really the Matt Reeves one. I've heard. I mean, nobody really knows. There was a rumor that the Warner Brothers executives watched it and were like, this is unacceptable. You have to go back and reshoot this. And they're going to give him a bunch of money to do that. Um, like appalled with it past the point of uh, how they reacted to Zack Snyder's films, which was obviously pretty bad, but they didn't make him reshoot anything. <laughs> uh, they just kind of gave it to Joss Whedon at a certain point. Uh, apparently they're not happy with this film and it seems like they're directionless. I, I mean, it's, it's a big question mark. I think 
if these studios even have life beyond the next five to 10 years, I see them all consolidating. I think Amazon's going to buy quite a few. I see Warner Brothers. I mean, Warner Brothers was given an offer by Disney to have their entire inventory bought. Uh, and it would have been merged with that. And that I think would have been disastrous. That would have been, mm. I mean, look, art and you know everything creative right now, especially films, are not great. Um, they're certainly more bad than good. Uh, but if that ever happened, if Disney had full control, it would be, I mean, the culture would literally die. There would be nothing to uh, keep people from being demoralized 24-7. Well, it will be like just watching Netflix productions. Like that's the only thing you watch. It's just the same thing did over you, and over. Did you see the report that came out that said, um, you know, lasting conversation of studio films past five months and it gave you uh disney warner brothers uh netflix hulu and all all the big guns and it was like disney had the longest stretch which was like maybe midway on the on the graph and then because uh, of animation and because disney fans are all children that are because adults your and fat average women. 34 year old is like fat disney <laughs> fat woman going yeah. adult without kids yeah, and, fat woman Yep. By what woman that hates children and doesn't right. have a mate. So she, yeah, yeah. That. That's, that's great. <laughs> yep. And then anyway, you had all the list and it was a decline. And the last one was Netflix, which had not even like 1% on the graph. It was not even like a little fraction. It just wasn't well, there. All right. How about this? What was the last memorable Netflix original production that you guys saw? Memorable. Uh, that you Irish still remember movie. like, oh, it was good. Oh, okay. I remember that one where that where that purple that purple animal is getting raped by the other purple animal, the Okaya or Oak Oak Okja Okja. Oh Okja. Yeah. Okja was uh Bong Yeah, that was pretty I was like, what the fuck? I was gonna show that to my steps. I'm like, oh it's cool, we'll watch this and he'll be all cultured and shit. <laughs> and <then he> too <laughs> much culture that's way too much culture no one needs that <laughs> no one needs that much what the much fuck yeah. are you doing what is this why are they showing what the fuck because even the even the tv shows if you want to call them that like i don't know like the last one that was memorable to be was what dark i think and even that one like that didn't really come out uh every year so yeah i don't know i i feel like they they they're their uh, model i mean hopefully people are starting to wake up to it and realize that you're just getting nah. the same thing constantly no you don't think so no with like getting other options you're gonna so, i mean the options are being reduced anyway I, you know i really like hbo's model where they have like it's the movie of the month and this was gonna go, go to theaters and it's like a real movie it's not some cheap piece of shit we're just dumping on wow. here and uh um, it becomes like the talking point for for that month so this month was what uh they spiral? put out that no not spiral spiral wasn't an hbo movie. that's in theaters for real oh i don't know it's a piece of shit is what it is oh in the heights <laughs> in the heights oh, the oh. good old lin-manuel oh, controversial fucking film. christ white women by the way if they need to be blamed for anything it has to be for making this fucking untalented Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, right? Little nothing, a millionaire and like a cultural figure when he sucks 
so bad and it's just because white women can be like oh well look at me i'm being cultured and look at all of this culture that i'm seeing on screen and that's it but it's just hamilton is one of the most embarrassing things i've ever now, seen i didn't see the whole thing hold on a second but i'm not i'm look i'm not one to defend white women by any means i certainly think they're complicit here but this is yeah. absolute this is not the fault of white women primarily it is the upper class liberals who went to go see a play and get cultured on urban life at the same time. That is a hundred percent graphic that went to Hamilton. Yeah. But look who's being, who's culturing you a little Puerto Rican man. Mm -hmm. He's the one that's teaching you about like By slavery way, and shit. It's so embarrassing. I, it's I, just, watched that uh, movie. I watched that movie in the Heights, which is two hours and 45 minutes, something like that. What? Yeah. That's a, Oof. that's unbelievably long. Another epic. I watched it and I was like, there's no way this is getting good reviews. And I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, it was like 93%. And then 95% audience score, which blew my mind. I couldn't believe that. It's a, look, I, yeah, I can't really everyone's judge called musicals. Like, everyone's I, like called Cheryl in the comments. <laughs> the audience is like, everyone's Kayla. Sure. I, I'm not really one who can offer much critical feedback as far as like a musical goes, because that's just not my forte. I kind of liked Rent. But uh, anyway, All this right. movie was just not for me. So, okay. yeah, right. <laughs> did they? <laughs> it's it's so yeah. It's weird that um, the uh, how American cinema shifted from. Uh, I was thinking about because I was saying I was just watching all of these uh, movies and from the seventies how it shifted. I guess before it was like this, and then the seventies changed it, and then it went back to it, which was like story driven, which is like this is the story, and we're going to show you this thing. But the seventies introduced this sort of uh, that European element of like this is this person, mm -hmm. and her story yeah. is like is flawed character. Yeah, 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 and and it's like you don't get any of that, and that's why like you would probably like in the Heights, you'd probably like. Uh, the, the fucking purple animal getting raped if it was about like flawed uh, you know if, if, if it was you know i don't know maybe not the 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 purple animal getting raped but the, <laughs> if in the heights was about a person just like one person going through a struggle like and and just being like what i don't know i mean well, i don't know what the story is about what's but. it about is it a, like a misunderstood brown person that no, no one understands. It's all like a, a, a white person tacos version <laughs> of uh, of what minorities in New York are like. Not that they, you know, talk to themselves in a and walk around in a circle and like throw their <laughs> fucking fists and nobody who's there and just have yeah. deep yeah. mental illness that can't be fixed. No, it's certainly not that. It's uh, you no. know, the guy from uh, what was he in? He was in uh, She's Got a Habit, the Spike Lee show. Uh, just, I mean, the colorism complaint is. Uh, valid to a degree in that, yeah, they are like the prettiest, brownest, uh, you know, <laughs> ethnic, uh, you know, people that they could have cast and not like actual urbanites. In the Bronx? In the, in, is it in the Bronx. In the, have you, you've been in the, Anthony, have you ever been to the Bronx? There's no pretty people in the Bronx. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, that's I, not what you, when you walk around, that's, you're not seeing beautiful brown people. You're seeing homeless people that want to stab you and 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 ask you for money and you know i walked yeah. at the end yeah. of my block and i was filming and i was doing a nice tracking shot and uh you know i, I had my camera person behind me and i turned the corner this was like nine o'clock at night i just turned the corner 
And uh, there was like a seven foot black man in a hospital gown, bare feet, just walking in my direction. And, like, that's the real New York experience. Uh, yeah, where's that nice. guy? Where's where's that guy in the Heights with his deep voice? I, I, I think he might have been available, you know, to shoot. I think they should have probably contacted yeah. his agent. But no, um, yeah. I, I yeah, I've been here sixteen years. I've never been to the Bronx. I was playing uh, <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe in a play, and I was doing all this research and like going trying to figure out where he lived. And there's a place up in the Bronx that they're like, oh, you can go see his house. I'm like, that. Ah. I'm all right. I'm good. I'm, <laughs> look at the picture. I'm fucking up there, dude. No yeah. fucking way. Oh, you can see that. You can see the Joker stairs. You want to go down the Joker stairs? <laughs> the Joker stairs. Yeah. You want to get stabbed in the Joker stairs? Yeah. Uh, no, it's just, it, it's that, that liberal utopia, right? That that yeah. reality that's not a reality that they believe could happen or could be a thing if everyone could just love each other and understand each other without realizing that most people that live in those places have either mental illness or are poor, so they, they struggle. So they're not going to be the nicest people in the world to a liberal person that just coming into their neighborhood and being like, hey, you're brown, be friendly to me, you know? So, yeah, I, I it, it's upsetting that that's the voice that gets amplified when it comes to people of color. Like, that's supposed to be yeah. the one that that, you know, that speak for all of, I guess, us. I, I don't really like to include myself as one of those, but I, I guess because it's just so transparent that if you're not white, even if you're white, but if you're not white and you watch that, you're just like, this is not a representation of anything that I've ever lived through. Uh, and it's just that utopia that liberals like to convince themselves that could be possible, but it's not. Which, I mean, listen, yeah. listen, I, I'm, I, I don't want this to be misconstrued into the argument being like, well, if you have people of color in a movie that takes place in a shit area, then you have to show oh. mental illness and grime and right. crime and you know all the worst elements. But I think a degree of realism at all, like whatsoever, would at least lend uh, you know the opportunity to make it feel more relatable. If you gave them struggles that people that live in those areas could mm -hmm. latch onto and kind of insert themselves into, and also not make these characters so black and white, which to get back to what Anthony was saying, the characters found in 1970s movies are maybe the most realistic characters uh, to life in the history of film. And I think as you get further away from that, like the 1980s, you have that certainly somewhat, um, mm. but by the 90s and then, I mean, by the aughts, I think it's done. I think that is essentially yeah. wiped out and everyone has become uh, crystallized into a cartoon version of what an anti-hero means or what a bad guy is or the acceptable amount of sympathy you can have for a bad guy or uh, badness that a protagonist can have because he's still going to be likable. You got to save the cat, right? right. So right. He has to have a daughter that he loves and he does everything for it, even though he just beheaded uh, another child. Uh, but it's for his daughter, so it's fine. No, that yeah. sounds like a great yeah. movie. That sounds like a fucking awesome movie. <laughs> the loving parent who also beheads children. Is this the Iceman? The Iceman if he was a child feeds, killer? It's like the, the only two movies I can think of that get close to this recently are, again, Inherent Vice, which I, we, should, we should do an episode on that. But the, uh, the other one is um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and both of those movies are set in that period. Mm, like I think inherent right. vice is like seventy one, and then uh, sixty eight, right, or what sixty nine? Yeah, once upon a time in Hollywood. You're right. Once upon Even a time in Hollywood. I think the best case of that is Brad Pitt's character, where yeah. he just mm -hmm. has this this 
little piece of his history where he might have killed his wife and it might have been intentionally it might have been a murder it might have been uh what's mm-hmm. his name robert culp you know getting caught yeah. sucking he was angry stick on a boat and they couldn't have that come out or whatever. something like that i don't know the history really he was that. angry what do you want she was being too talkative and she needed her to shut <laughs> <Yeah>. up <laughs> that's, sure. that's how they presented it and, but and it worked yeah he's, he because at the, end of the movie you know that doesn't really affect your feelings for that character at all. He's still uh, likable in his own, like hard guy, Brad Pitt sort of way. And by the end of the movie, he's a hero. So, but it, but it sets up that uh, third dimension though, of the character that even though it's just mentioned in passing and no one makes a big deal out of it, it's still there. So, you know, that this guy could just become unhinged at any time. And that's why at the end, when he has those scenes where he just like smashing the girl's head against the concrete, you're like, well, that, yeah, it makes sense. You know, it doesn't come out as like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't come out as like that of nowhere that if it was just like a nice guy to everyone and just very nice and nothing like that had happened. And then all of a sudden he's just smashing that girl's into the concrete, uh, hit her head. Uh, So it makes sense with a character and it's a very easy uh, way of, okay, maybe not easy way, but like a a very simple way of giving them a, a, uh, just a, a third dimension to, of that character without doing too much, especially because no one really reacted in a negative way besides that the director's wife, I think it was, in the set on that scene where the, they have a thing there where they fire him or something, if my memory's not... Uh, yeah. For Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the director... Yeah, 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 that happens, right? Yeah, something like that happens where he gets fired or he gets fired from set because it's related to something like that or like a he's, rumor. He's fighting uh, Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So isn't that related to like him? Yeah, yeah. It's like they were already. Like, we, and... Yeah, they were like, we don't want to fuck with this guy, man, because he's like, he's fucked up. He killed his wife. Right, right. right yeah. Yes. So like, so it's, it is mentioned and it's made a big deal, but only there, only in that little environment in that scene. And then afterwards, it's completely forgotten. Uh, but it's, it's a, a very clever way of just, you know, a couple of minutes and, and you have the, the reason why this character goes crazy against those teenagers later, you know? Yeah, I, I was watching uh, Minnie and Mousekowitz the other night, and oh, I said terrific. out loud, I was like, you know, this is like, this is more exciting than any action movie I've seen, any, re- any like modern action movie I've seen. Just because like the way when she comes home from drinking with that old lady and his bo- her boyfriend's there and just beats the shit out of her. And and then you get to uh, Moskowitz, who's just like starting fights in bars and just like going fucking wild. And like that that shit is really interesting to, to it, what's interesting about it is like that is how people behave. Even his dialogue, because Canzavetti's dialogue is like, yeah, that's how people talk. They don't talk in yeah. like, I'm going to the store. Do you want anything? It, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no. <laughs> you are you're you're touching on to something that maybe I, I I've thought about before, but I didn't really think about in such straightforward terms, which is uh, the the irrationality, I think, of humans. Everybody is so rational and logical and does the most rational, logical thing uh, in every scene, in every movie. And that's not really what what uh you know pioneers people to do what they do so that is something we've definitely lost since the 1970s and if it is something that's like an irrational motive it's always like he's a murderer he's a rapist he's doing this or that. he's a bad guy when in actuality some people just like behave in a certain way due to compulsions or whatever it might be uh maybe just personality ticks you know but this is so lost this is like and i think also it has something to do with the current 
you know, culture of criticism, which nitpicks like, oh, well, this doesn't make sense. Why is this here? Why is that thing there? You know, people are trying to, you know, keep an eye on things like that that could flare up uh, any sort of uh, misconstruing or negative feedback. No one wants to be experimental anymore. Yeah, like like in husbands uh, as well. Like where where Ben Gazzara beats the shit out of the mother and the wife. You're, it, it what he what he presents is like the the idea that every man can like snap. Every man can just like when you're in a room with a man, there could be some shit that goes down, and you have no control over it because the man is just going through this shit in his head. He can't he can't fucking he can't like communicate what he's feeling and that and that's yeah that's completely lost now it's like tony stark dressing like a yoga mom you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well what i was thinking of was jeff who lives at home where you have oh uh what's his name from cedar rapids sorry what's his ed helms ed helms finds out that his wife is about to sleep with some schlubby man and his reaction is just like oh well uh, i should have been a better husband not i'm gonna fucking destroy this man's head I'm going to take this man's head and do what Brad Pitt did at the end of Once Upon a Time, which would be probably my reaction if I came home. No, 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 because in that situation, don't be be dropping names on this show. No, no, because in that situation, right, in that that situation, that Ed Helms guy isn't going to go beat the shit out of that guy. He's going to go beat the shit out of that woman. He's going to grab her by the hair and throw her ass in the fucking street, and there's going to be – it's going to be a goddamn scene, and probably no one's going to call the cops. You know, because they're afraid to look out the fucking window, you know, and or, you know, what I mean, it's going to that's how it's going to go. And this, uh, you know, this sort of like, uh, like you said, it's just this complete. Now we have this thing in our head that like men, whether it's the Brad Pitt character or it's Leonardo DiCaprio's character, he's got the flamethrower. It's like we don't act like that. We usually go yeah. for the smallest guy, you know, like if, if we're bigger than that guy, we're going to fuck that guy up, you know, or if it's the woman, we're going to go for like, that is just how, how, uh, just, just the pecking order. It's how, it's how we've evolved. And I don't think it's something to, to shy away from, especially now because it creates this falsehood in our heads. Like we're going to take jujitsu and be able to like kick some dude's ass when like that guy's just going <laughs> to jaw you and you're going to be folded and it, your head's going to be on the fucking concrete. You right. know? And, and it's like that type of realness with violence and uh, the brutality that men can, can exert, you know, it's like, it's turned us all into, into cucks because in our heads we're going like, well, to be a man, I have to be able to beat up that six, seven dude who's in fucking Queens walking around in a hospital. <laughs> you know, like it's right. You know, it gives us this it, false, like, yeah. It, it's funny because whenever there's like a, a serial killer or someone unhinged like that that happens and people are still surprised because it's like, well, how can someone be like this? Uh, because media has become so sanitized that it's showing real people yeah. that whenever someone behaves in a real way, like someone that's unhinged mentally and that's how they are supposed to react because they're unhinged mentally, everyone's surprised because you don't get that in media anymore. Like the last, the last movie <clears throat> I can think when they presented a character negatively, that was like the main or, or at least the driving force of the movie was the greasy strangler. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh, movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so it's, it's really funny. Uh, it's <clears throat> very independent, experimental, and whatever. But uh, those real—I mean, he's not a real character. But any any character that has flaws has been 
just relegated to independent movies, uh, you know, where uh, even something like Drive, where he barely barely speaks, uh, you can't have that in like a major studio movie at all. So it has to be re relegated to just these niche little corners where people like us end up watching this, these movies, but it's not something that you're going to get in a mainstream anything, not TV show or, uh, or movie. Because even something like Breaking Bad, I don't think could be even done now because of, you know, he's, you know, he's going to be killing people, even though he wants to save his family, you know, well, he's no, still he's killing, killing Mexicans, right? You can't right. do that. That's a little offensive. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. One of, yeah. I, one I was of, one say, of like the, the biggest tropes that's like lost in, in these movies too, it's talking about violence and I'm just, Try, want to finish that thought because i like i like the but the 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 sort of violence thing is like is like i want to see my hero get his fucking ass folded i want to see him get his ass kicked you see it all the time in all those old western movies that's how those movies yeah. always went like your your hero would get his fucking ass kicked and and dragged down a horse and just beat learned the from it and, and his head then... all fucked up like that's what so like if Ed Helms, yeah, like if he did go in there and like try to fight the guy, the guy just fucked him up. Like that's what I don't know. I just it, it would make it more compelling. It would make Drive more compelling if Ryan Gosling fought one guy in that movie and got his fucking ass handed to he, him. Well, that that's only God forgives. That's right. Ref and recognizing yeah. the error <laughs> right. and then correcting it later on is he's the yeah. tough. He's a tougher guy and only God forgives. He's a fighter. And then he yeah. just fucking his first and only fight he loses. Oh, it's yeah. it's so great how quickly and easily he gets his ass kicked and he just keeps coming back. It's great. His, yeah, I want to bring that. In. His screechy yell at his girlfriend <laughs> to take the dress off and put the yeah. like that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. That's He's 2013. That might be the last real gasp of that. I mean, I was thinking back to I was watching Jody Hill. Jody Hill's The Foot Fist Away with Danny McBride. Great oh, indie mm. film oh, yeah, yeah, from yeah. that period. Yeah. And Danny McBride's wife gives her boss a hand job and it's it's played for laughs, obviously. And it's like yeah. the, they shake the camera, it's hilarious. And then he's just like, he's stuck with that. You know, he's not going to divorce his wife over a hand job, but yeah. he's right. you know, caught in this moment. And he's like, so who was it? And he thinks it's like one of the kids in his karate class's dad. And then he just takes it out on the kid during the karate class and turns out, no, <laughs> that kid's dad is dead. So <laughs> it's uh, that's a great movie, by the way. I can't recommend oh, it. Yeah, it's on yeah. Paramount Plus and Hulu. Do, do, do you think, like, is it just that people are softer? Is it that, like, we yeah. don't live in that, that type of life? You know, that type of, like, just brutal kind of existence? Is, yes. is everyone just soft and just, like, Mushy. It's because the, the people that live those lives don't consume that type of stuff. They don't have time to go and watch movies about mm. the struggle, you know, because they're yeah. living it. So the only people that are enjoying things or that go watch those things are the ones that are living such cushiony lives that they need to see a struggle so that they can feel something, you know, because, you know, life is so much easier up there. But, but it's got, yeah. but it's got to be played for, for, but it's got to be played for like laughs. Not like, not like, not like a, like a, not Cas serious. Yeah. Like a, like a yeah. Casavetti's giving it a boss a hand, like Gina Rowland's giving her boss a hand drop. Like that would be a different scene where you're just like, oh, whoa, this is real. Like that shit. Yeah. Happened. Well, I mean, if you watch a woman under the influence, I mean, oh, Peter, right. Peter Falk puts up with quite a lot. <laughs> he's, but he's yeah. into it, I guess. <laughs> he's, this, is, like, this is bag. So, yeah. I mean, hmm. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think it, I think it's a little bit of 
It's a little bit of both. It's what Hans said, certainly. And I yeah. think you, you know, the average person who's drawn to making these things now, uh, I think is often trying to recreate things that they liked that have already been made and came out once before. They're not trying to uh, bring anything from real life into this forum and do something with it. I, mm -hmm. I, I, if that is the case, it seems like they mostly go into literature. Um, there, there's some like pretty good, um, <laughs> you know, novels that have been released somewhat recently. Like uh, there's a, there's a novelist. I, I haven't read his work for a little bit, but I remember he was kind of a guy like this Atticus Lish um, preparation for the next life was a, was a book of his. And then uh, the guy who wrote Cherry, his name is not coming to mind at the moment. That was a that was a very good uh, novel that has been adapted into a certainly underwhelming film. And Tom Holland is utterly miscast in that in that role. Um, but yeah, it, well, it now doesn't seem like film it, is the 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 place for that at this moment. The struggle that you get now is uh, the lady from Nomadland and the girl from Promising Young Women. That's the struggle that you see on cinema now, where it's like, you know, I'm I'm strong. I believe in myself. Well, th th this comes back to <laughs> some, so Jake Hanrahan sent me an article recently on a on a website called Blood Knife, I think, and it was a a writer talking about how films have gradually become much more sexless. Like there's the, the characters are not horny anymore, and that it was a little muddled because it was trying to connect this to, uh, you know, the the, I mean, actually, something we were just talking about with the hairlines, but the, but the perfection of actors and actresses and their looks, and yes. how you know the you know the, the the natural strong man has been weeded out for the hyper, you know, the hyper inflated Camille Nanjiani, Chris the, Pratt, you know, clearly roided up kind of guy, um, and uh, you know, it didn't really seem to connect these two things super well, but she was making a, a, a terrific point, I think, in how we've gotten so far away from these two things. And from my perspective, what I saw was that, you know, sex and, uh, you know, the, the sexualization of women in film has undergone an evolution where I think from like the 1920s to the 1950s, you have classy objectification, right? Uh, kind of like, a, you know, women serve their purpose. They're always dressed up. Maybe they're like in a flapper sort of deal. Who knows? But, uh, well, yeah, and they're, they're not really sexy per se just attractive by the 1960s you kind of uh you know you uh well let me because i actually wrote this to jake hanrahan i want to make sure i got it right but by the 60s well, you get, i think you start getting curves you start getting a little bit of more curves yeah, on you, women you showing a, woman a little bit more in the 60s yeah you, you yeah. know you got all the beach party bingo type uh films that come thick. out Still thick, by the way. In the okay, 60s. so thick, 60s, thickness was still appreciated. Yeah. Beyond the Valley of Dolls, that's what like Russ Meyer right. came up in the sixties. So yep. you have, uh, you know, what I would Manda consider yes, <laughs> which by by comparison to what follows after, tasteless nude objectification. By the seventies, you know, you get real world sex and nudity. I think people with gross bodies, you know, they're they're yeah. actually like doing it on screen. Uh, mid seventies to late eighties is tasteless objectification where, you know, it's just tits galore all the time, senseless, great, over, an overabundance of that nineties is more independent woman. So you're thinking like star starship troopers, you have Dinah Meyer, I believe her name is uh topless in a shower and they're, you know, they're oh, strong the, and perky. The uh, Demi Moore movie. What's the GI Jane? 
G.I. Jane. That yeah. that type of nudity, yeah. Which is kind of like, crazy because you also have striptease yeah. and you got showgirls within the same decade, but that's early 90s <laughs> and that's kind of being weeded out. That's becoming out of fashion. They're calling that misogynist and those complaints are starting to take root and, uh, you know, become uh, important in shaping the norm in Hollywood during that time. You know, by the aughts in the early 10s, you have like the masculine woman, which is kind of like what we're talking about here. A movie like Domino, where you have Karen Knightley uh, being like, you know, I'm the tough girl, you know, that sort of I thing. I fuck Scarjo. that character. Sure. I want to fuck and I'm going to fuck. That's the, yes. the evolution of women in cinema. Now, yeah. Yeah. But, but, and then, yeah, but, yeah. Just to, just to wrap up real quick, by the tens, then we're getting into what we talked about before, where they're not showing the sex really at all, or if it is, it's more, it's you know, masturbation. It's it's a it's, it's female empowerment in a way that is sort of at the man's expense. Uh, maybe right. like she's an ugly girl. Maybe she's cucking her boyfriend. Maybe she's cheating. Maybe she's doing this or that. And uh, or the guy's now, soft. The, the guy doesn't get hard, or like the guy, right, right, like right, some right, type right. of joke with the yeah. It yeah, yeah. focuses on the negatives of sex, and at, at at the point that we're at right now, I think we're in a sex for profit phase where sex is used as like the woman's in authority here, and it's kind of like uh, the man is the weak little submissive thing. She's been doing sex work, but she likes it. It's how she makes a living. We have to respect that. This is a legitimate thing. We're not going to show it, really. He, maybe he's going to be naked and dressed down. We might see her in a thong with a whip, and he'll show. He'll be tied to a board. There's not going to be penetration, but she's going to have you'll the power. You'll see his ass, though. You'll see his ass. You will definitely see his see ass. His yeah. Maybe see his soft, limp penis. Maybe. I, That's I the think, stage that we're in now. I think we're like also the, the uh, men. I think uh, women have a... I think this evolution of this of woman's sexuality into do into desexuality is is kind of like our expectations of men now and and the sort of sexual exploitation of men being introduced with something like uh sexual like a like a like f- physical perfection that that's embodied with like Marlon Brando in in uh, Streetcar Named Desire. I would the last show that we did we did it on Sullivan's Travels which was 1945 and the lead actor in that is like he's got his shirt off and he's like he's like chopping wood <laughs> these two women are looking at him and he's he's got it he's flabby and he's he's is got a barrel just a barrel like yeah. clean his wood chest <laughs> and, they, and they go they go oh look at his chest <laughs> and he's literally like ed helms he just looks like ed helms he's like soft <laughs> and, 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 and that bought in the 50s yeah and then it turned into like uh it, it you had marlon brando which was like whoa that you know that that freaked everybody out but then james was, dean right James Dean, yeah, but then with James Dean, it's like Paul Newman, Steve McQueen, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino. They were small guys. Mm. They were kind of smaller, skinny guys. So you, just, you didn't – James Kahn was a big sexual kind of guy, like icon type of guy too. And he was just hairy-chested and just kind of like skinny. Yeah, and then, not, James Kahn is an That's weird to think about. <laughs> he's, not, he's not in shape. He's not out of shape. He does have a receding yeah. hairline, like a round little he's, head, like an orange head. He's – yeah, and, uh, he's short too, all, right? He's like a little guy. All bravado. It's all his personality. It's mm-hmm. all what he is, you know, emitting. Um, yeah. So that that that's a very interesting case, I think, the James Conn thing, because he's not like those other guys in that way. 
Yeah, well, you know, he's and Clint Eastwood is like this tall, skinny. He was all he was always in shape. He was always like running and shit. But then when you get to, but you know, there was this there was a sort of spectrum. Like someone would look at uh, who's the the guy George, uh, uh, not George Siegel, but oh, what's the fucking Howard guy? Him? Who's the guy? No, um, the Elliot Beatles? Gould. Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould was like a sex icon. Like people thought he was attractive. They wanted to sleep with Elliot Gould. They thought he was a smooth guy. But as soon as you get to the 80s, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. You've got, you know, more of a rugged, I guess, you you know, Kurt Kurt Russell was kind of a, he was kind of beefy in the 80s too. But uh, then it, it just kept... Like with men, you keep having to get bigger. Like you were talking about the fucking Camille Nani Johnny or whatever. Taking, you know, they're all gassing up and roiding up, and they look they look fucking like freaks. And it creates this fucking image in in women's heads where you see this transfer into like dating apps, into where where they where you have like fours and they're looking at guys that are like sixes and they're like mm, pass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. And, and it, it 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 almost like. The, the sort of the Hollywood machine kind of like, you know, warped the uh, the female mindset to like they have no other choice but to be these like, don't touch me. I'm in a thong and I'm going to stomp on your balls with my stiletto <laughs> because I'm powerful. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because. Yeah, it, it doesn't have the I'm Lena Dunham and I'm fucking the hottest man in the world because he yeah. thinks I'm interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, do you guys think that the. I guess I guess you can call it what senate sanitation sanitization of sanitization. the sexuality uh, starting in the aughts happened because of the uh, availability of pornography and how easy has been from I, I don't know when when that started but I wonder if there's a relation there yeah when it comes to you know uh, the as easy as uh, like i was alive when you couldn't get videos right. like porn videos on the well, internet I so the, i think that yeah, should have actually normalized it so if people are getting like their tolerance to seeing explicit things and hardcore things has gone up and there's less shock value you would think oh all right you can show your tits like that's not going to be that big of a deal but you don't see tits in movies anymore mm. uh certainly no, but i'm thinking uh, gratuitous manner uh from I'm, i would say like 2005 mm. onward it's done i'm thinking more of uh of uh if you want to see tits go watch porn type yeah. of mentality you know yeah, I've, I've heard that too i've heard something hmm. like that too uh, but i i think the uh the uh um what, what were you saying lorez about the um what, what did you just say about uh that it should have I, I well I, I was trying to make the point that you know if people were going to show tits in a film i mean look let, let's let's be real here a lot of the reason why I would I would venture to say seventy percent of the reason why you would see tits in a mainstream film is because some producer, some director, or somebody wanted to see an actress's tits and was mm-hmm. casting for a certain role that they really like, and that's usually how that goes, right? It has nothing. I mean, the, uh, they'll they'll you know mark it up as like it's the audience. The audience wants to see tits, and the audience does want right. to see tits. I, well, but yeah, the the insertion of that to that point would always, I think be a creative decision like how everything else in the film is a creative decision just wanting that that sexual element to that or this character being exposed in some manner uh i think it you know maybe yes maybe to what you're saying um the you know the advent of pornography becoming so mainstream because of the internet 
could have killed that where it's like, yes, I have something for that to take care of that need, but I don't see it as so separate from everything else. Like, by, mm. I mean, I was going to make a, a, an analogy that doesn't quite work in regards to violence, but you don't see other things being, uh, you know, snuffed out or um, dulled down, I think, because it's available in other places. Well, did you guys see, uh, this goes to, I think, both, uh, maybe both of your points is, did you guys see Shame? Uh, yes. Shame. So remember that movie? It's like, there's like dicks and there's tits and there's fucking and there's all this shit. And it's like, I remember watching that movie and, and being like shocked that the guy was sad about this. Like he, like, why are you? You just you just had two threesomes, you fucking dudes, you're fucking girls, like you're slanging dick, right. you big dick, and you're fucking sh- you're you're crying in the rain. <laughs> like that's a good fucking night, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never thought about that fucking movie like that. But that makes yeah. He's like, oh my god, I can't believe and, that I just got blown. He's like, what? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like that's I think that's the fucking point. Is like. It's 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 guilt it's about shame. Yeah, sex yeah. is shameful. Like we don't want to see that. And if we see it, it's got to be goofy, or it's got to be like, or it's got to be rape. You know, it's got to be mm-hmm. like really awkward. Uh, Irreversible having sex. Irreversible. With, what um, is that movie called? Yeah, that eighteen-minute rape scene is just like, all right, what fucking, we get it. I call it a yeah. good night. I call it date night. Call it a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, I think that's what it is. It's it's the shamefulness of it. It's like we were supposed to feel bad about it because we're watching like hardcore nubile porn. And then, like you know, we don't want to see that in our movies because that's bad. We're not supposed to be doing that. You know. Speaking of which, on on the note of Irreversible, not related, I love a movie that has like a dastardly gay man as the (laughs) (laughs) Like the rapist is a gay guy. just And it makes no sense, you know? He's just anally raping this woman because he can. You know, that was something that was really big for a while and we've gotten away from. Uh, Cruising (laughs) is another example of that. Oh, yeah, Cruising. Cruising is the best for that. Uh, and then obviously looking for Mr. Goodbar, the ending of that is great too. <laughs> cruising was so funny, dude. Because at the end, like the the, the cr- cruising was just like it was like I'm getting fucked up because I'm just around all these aggressive gays. And then at the end, it's like, did I kill those? Am, am I an aggressive gay now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is that. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it's entirely Al Pacino becoming a gay man. Yeah. through this lifestyle and becoming a murderer but obviously murder is not murder in that sense uh, not with Friedkin's <laughs> communicating I, I don't think yeah he's getting at was I he's getting at that like uh, morality aspect of it mm-hmm. sort of, you know you know what what this what this culture kind of produces or something like some kind of uh the, the kind of uh the guilt or so I, I don't know or like just being exposed to it what it what it does to you it, tur- it turns you yeah yeah all <laughs> like, that dick that you're <laughs> choking on 10 dicks might turn you gay <laughs> yeah yeah getting fisted on a sex <laughs> in the meatpacking district no less like uh, like it's, it's uh yeah i think yeah i think that has to do that i think the shame the shame thing has to, that yeah that that always stuck with me after i saw that movie where I just, I, well, I think I laughed out loud as I was leaving. Like, what was that? Were you like Max there, Katie also, in the theater? Just yeah. <laughs> there's also a thing of, of how like our heroes now for movies or our main characters uh, 
most of them are goofy and not very serious, so it makes sense that goofy sex and goofy things like that would happen to them. Like, yeah. no one is really interesting anymore. Like, everyone's usually just dealing with some internal struggle, and it's all about how I need to grow inside or whatever. So it's kind of like, I don't, you know, you're not going to show him plowing some women. It has to be that he can't get hard or, or you know, I'm, I made a joke and I farted in the middle. Ha ha, you know, that type of thing where the flaw is that they're goofy. Like, that's the flaw of the, or the character. They're, they're kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I, like the one character I, I think I related to in any modern movie recently has just been probably uh, either DiCaprio, you know, the, the same two movies of like the inherent vice guy who's just kind of falls into shit, falls into like a girl, you know, oh, oh there it is. Or like Leonardo DiCaprio, who's just such a fucking like goof but he still gets right. girls that type of thing like that's the only person i've people i've characters have been like oh yeah i can i can kind of relate to 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 that kind of mood of just being um because as a guy it's like that's how you have to be now you just have to be your little goofy self and then maybe somebody will find that interesting but mostly they won't i don't think i think you know i don't know I, yeah i think uh the girls are too masculine and, and the guys are too confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's spot on. And uh, it's kind of funny too. I mean, we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the changing of bodies into the 1980s and uh, how this has affected taste or maybe even female taste when it comes to, um, you know, the dating apps or whatever, when in actuality, that whole uh, standard was set by just uh, uh, extremely uh, H word gay men in powers of authority, like, hmm, well, I've had the Elliot Gould type. I'd really like a, th- I'd really like to get railed by the Incredible Hulk. That's what I've been thinking <laughs> about this past week. What if I just, you know, what if I got like 20 guys that look like the Hulk, like Lou Ferrigno, yeah. to just bend, bend me over and, and rail. Yeah, and now it's like, how can I get 10 guys that look like Timothée Chalamet? How can I so get, I can <laughs> so that I you're can gonna do see, it, Hey, yeah. look, you're going to see him with a giant square head like Kamel Nanjiani and a big buff body within the next three years. <laughs> Bank on it. I hope so. I hope so. That would be great. Uh, same with the Spider-Man kid. I hope that happens to him too. It's just like a little roided up midget. <clears throat> they really do. Just... They love casting these, these young men uh, who are like 26 years old but look 12 years old. And I can't tell if that's just like because of the times where everyone looks younger, like we're 40 back in 1980 might have been like, you know, you're 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 going to die within the next 15 years. You're (laughs) fucked. You're over. And now it's like, oh, well, 40 is just 27. Yeah, I think we've we've been we've been taught to not live life and we've been taught to to be afraid of it. We've been taught to like to look like Timothy Chalamet and like, and, and, and just be like that and, and have this, and, and you know, you're going to get college debt and you're going to have a career or whatever it is, but like you, you, and so you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to get in fights with people. Like, you, you know, I, I've got like scars on my face from shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I, you know, I've, I kind of went out of my way to live hard a bit and um, that definitely has given me more insight than most of these. I look at these people, I call them kids because, you know, they're in their 
like late twenties, but it's like, you've never made an independent choice. Like you don't understand what America is. It's an experiment. And that's what's lost in our movies is they're not about America or Americans anymore. The idea that you can just go, you know what? Fuck this situation. Fuck where I'm at right now. I'm going to go and just carve a path. And that shit is going to be hard. I'm going to age like five years. I'm going to get wrinkles on my forehead or whatever the fuck. And I don't give a shit, but that's the, that's the American mentality. And what's it, what we've been, what they're being told all the time is the world is going to end in like 12 years. So get your career ready. So you have some money saved up for something. And then like, and then so the sun doesn't burn you. You have a roof. Yeah. Yeah. Stay inside. You know, like it's really hard out there. You can't get a job. It's like, yeah, I mean, you can't get a fucking nice, like, cushiony job, but you can go and work at a flower store and just move topsoil for eight fucking hours. I did that when I was in my 20s. Like, just, you, just get a bullshit fucking job. What do you care? I mean, if the world's going to end anyway, just fucking do it. But it's uh, there's a great movie, um, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid from the 70s it was a sam peckinpah movie it's like it's really it's like undercover based it's really great it's about the it's about the end of that of like this uh pat garrett it's like this modernity modern man with his like nice expensive suits going after his like best friend and kind of son figure of billy the kid who's like he his shirt's all fallen apart and chris christopherson character and and um he just lives in mud. He just basically just lives in mud and fucks Mexican worlds. And like, but he's fine with that. And he just keeps pushing further West, keeps him push further West, just, just living. And it's about this, like this modern guys wearing like uh, ascots and shit, like coming to hunt him. And that's, you know, uh, that's kind of like, it, it, it hasn't, it, it, it hasn't been like a fast change in a way. It's like, this has been this gradual uh, thing in the making to where you get like soy boys making soy face all the time well age. now living is having brunch on a thursday with your friends right that's yeah. the we gotta post it on social media that's i'm living i'm having a mimosa at 11 a.m i'm so wild and i think with that's why on, you gotta post <laughs> yeah with the mask. With the mask. <laughs> you're being safe you're being cautious but that I think that's why maybe low res. I don't. I don't want to speak for you. That's why I like look at Kevin Costner. It's like, oh yeah, that's what a fucking man is supposed to look like. That's like, <laughs> yeah. what you're, you know, it, he looks goofy. He's got a he's got a receding hairline. He looks goofy, but he's like earnest, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, he and you know uh, what I think back to is the is the moment in Man of Steel when he's saving the dog from the tornado, and he's Superman's about to save him, and he's like, no, I'll <laughs> die. Don't worry. Yeah. I'll I'll get swept up in the tornado. You go be Superman in private. That's a man, right? <laughs> That's a man. He's like, I don't want I don't want anybody knowing you're gay, son. <laughs> I'll die for that. I'll die before. Oh man. Well, I think I think that's a that's a great note to end this show on. We just did two hours. So. Oh shit. That's uh. That's the JFK episode of movies. Anthony, where can people find you? You can find me on uh, SoundCloud at uh, Slothcast. We gotta, I gotta, I gotta give you some uh, assistance on getting that into iTunes directory and Spotify and shit, so we can get your podcast readily available places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it. I think I think if people may, yeah, I think if it was out there more, I do see uh, like Low Society. I think they're only on SoundCloud, aren't they? Only on SoundCloud, but I think they have a I, Patreon. I, 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 I think they. You can upload to these these RSS venues through SoundCloud, 
And that's what they wind uh, wound up doing, I guess, because uh, oh, I have okay. them through like iTunes or something too. Oh, so, okay, okay, yeah, okay. It's it, for whatever reason iTunes made it complicated somewhat recently. Um, I mean, I haven't yeah. I haven't gone through them in a in a while. I mean, when we started movies, that was late 2018, and I tried to put up the uh, the new podcast we've been doing with Kenny, which I don't even know mm-hmm. how. Look, I am not fucking editing all those shows to <laughs> cut out things that he's saying. That is that's no. too much. Just he your, likes to just when he when he says your name like twenty times. My name. Well, it's not just my name. Like my name's one thing. That's whatever. But he then goes to list like, oh well, my my friend here was accused of racism by like four people, yeah. and here's where he works. Here's his first and, and last name. It's like this is <laughs> not because he's not thinking like he just had like got Twitter somewhat recently and is understanding how that works, and he'll still send like complimentary <laughs> things to women on there like. <laughs> Like, damn, those are thighs a man can dream of. And just things like that. So yes. he doesn't yeah. he doesn't have the internet. He's just a very regular guy, which is probably healthier. But I got to, you know, we got to work on some things there. But I tried to get the Old Boys podcast onto iTunes. And it's fucking taking me an arm and a leg to, to try that out and uh, get it in there. And it hasn't even come up yet. So I don't I don't know what the system problem is. Spotify is easy. Like that happens within five minutes. Uh, so that's yeah. that's something to work out. I'll yeah. I'll have to point you in the right direction as far as uh, those go because you have a great show. Um, oh, thanks, man. That I've checked Our... out. I was happy to be on the Parallax View one. We were also talking about Adam Curtis. It seems like his moment has passed. Adam Curtis. That was a big oh, thing for yeah for, for a little period of time, and now like it's just done. It's over. Oh yeah, he's and he's he's got it attacked on both sides. He's done. It's I fine. think it's fine. I think his mistake was going on podcasts and talking about yeah. his direct political opinions as opposed to just like laying out historical facts as a, some sort of a narrative in his documentaries. I think that when, when you're vague, that works. As soon as you start to like speak clearly about things, people can then see that you're not so knowledgeable about this and that. And then, well, if this is based on reality and this is your perception of things and we're all kind of uh, bringing our filter to that, it doesn't have as much intrigue around it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I, I, um, it's hard because our show is about booze and movies, so we pair like booze with the movies, and so we're just always drunk usually. And I can't figure it out. I'm just like, uh, I, I, as soon as the show's done, I just save it for another day to like just <laughs> put it to the thing. And I'm like, yeah, all right, it's enough. But what, who, yeah, what, I, what happened with you wanting to record a show all over again? What happened? Was that just too much alcohol involved there, or what? You know, I got into political bullshit. I started oh, no. and, the whole, <laughs> and I'm talking about supposed to be talking about Charles Bukowski, who is just like not even into that shit. No, and I, no, and, no. And I started talking about all shit. And I, I, I just I told Trevor, the co-host, and I was like, dude, I can we please just do this again, man? I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to be good this time. I don't know. I, I you know, I was listening to I forgot what podcast it was, but I was listening to some political thing before. Oh, so I was like, I came in like I got to talk mm. about this. And this and is like, important. And yeah. I got to red pill the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I make the mistake of doing that right before I go to sleep. Like I'll just tune into a podcast that in, vaguely involves politics. Or I'll go on Twitter and people will be political po- and it's just like, ah, now I can't sleep. Now I'm fucking, I'm ready to go fight a civil war. We got to do this. <laughs> so, I always call someone a retard. Yeah, I'm going to. But I can't because I'll get banned like me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's not the way to do things. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, in our, cause our show, it's like, uh, it took me a while to figure out 
what it was. And basically it's, uh, I just want to do the chill pill. I want, I want to just make it be like a, a and I, I was like strategizing and okay, what's this season going to be about next season and try to like line it up. And I was like, nah, man, I just want to watch movies that I, that we like and they're fun to get drunk to and just uh, chill out when we, when we record and, and just, basically just kind of do what you guys do in it because it's just like that, that free flow aspect of it um, leads to some really interesting conversations and stuff. I, I, I uh, yeah, I like, I got, we got to get you both of you guys on. Maybe we'll do, we should do like the Pope of Greenwich village or something. It's like, uh, a, I think I was, I was, I was, I was supposed to be in your, in your show like two months ago, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm terrible with, I'm so bad at remembering shit that I'm that, like, now that you're mentioning that I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a little here's, bit embarrassed. Here's I was supposed how, to give you a movie like two months ago. <laughs> Hans's memory has gotten. I, what were we doing? <laughs> Civic TV or something? And he's talking about one thing, and uh, he just he was he was saying like, oh, uh, and this is an example. This isn't actually what you said, but you're like, oh, so the rent is due. Oh, hey, what was I talking about? And I was like, yeah. uh, the rent is due. And he's like, oh yeah, that's right. Literally, I I swear to God, a second maybe between <laughs> sentences, you forgot the sentence you completed. <laughs> It was remarkable. Yeah, it was problem. unbelievable. To yeah, that I, that I need some alpha brain. I need to start taking some alpha <laughs> yeah. brain. Some memory works. <laughs> yeah, uh, good Alex Jones. Stuff. Talk about a guy who's been yeah. right about everything is Alex Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard if you get people to come on because because we, we were talking Hans about like booze and stuff. Like, how do we get? Where do we get the booze? Like, what 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 booze do you have where you are? And you're like, we just have beer. I'm like, yeah, we could just do a beer show. And then it was just like, dude, just pick a fucking movie and we'll just drink Budweiser or whatever the fuck you got. <laughs> and we'll just Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. But it was like uh yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. This show is called Slothcast cuz I'm just like I'm fucking just like Bleh. I don't I have <laughs> we barely we barely if th- things are kind of like, like zoom is kind of retarded proof it's just like you just do 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 and then you, you set it up and it goes. it's Stop, yeah. remarkably better than what we were doing before which is i mean i held on to skype for as long as possible but um mm. you know you would do like 90 minute shows and then my computer would just be like breathing heavily trying to endure it <laughs> recording everything and like i jerry does discord for civic tv and i think that's the worst thing to use because it just everybody's lagging and it eats up so much cpu and the the broadcast isn't clean and people sound like shit this is always smooth regardless of what happens um so zoom i mean and i'm late to the the program as far as that goes i just started doing this on zoom what was it hans maybe like a month ago i signed up for the the premium one and it's been i think the show looks better even though it can only record 360p which is annoying uh, I still think it. I looks mean, you don't really need. Better. I don't think you need. You need these faces in, in 1080. My anyway. chest sure. hair in 1080. I think, I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. And it, this was because you wouldn't listen to me when I told you about Zoom like five months ago when I was recording my Spanish podcast, and I was like, "This is easy." Is that what you, you know, were using? Like, yeah. Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Just Zoom because it's just it's recorded there, and like you don't have to do anything to it. Yeah. But, the the know, pricing is just like loyal to Skype. Yeah, the pricing yeah. is ridiculous though. Pricing's like what? It's like twenty bucks a month. Every time that shit goes through, every month I'm like, "Fuck, dude, we gotta record yeah. more, man." It's like once a month shit. I'm not getting. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put like a little donate tab on top of this fucking thing, man. Give yeah, us something in the tip jar. It's uh, I think I might have done the annual package to save a little bit of money, where it's like twelve oh. bucks a month. 
that's the way to go if anything. But yeah, with Skype, I think it was most because I I bought call record for like thirty bucks back in like twenty fourteen, twenty thirteen. Uh, for something for uh, whatever was happening back then, and uh, I just had that the entire time, and that's a lot cheaper at least. But you know, you get what you pay for. I, I think the the quality certainly shows through this. I was able to buy cheap little twelve dollar webcam, so we have a little bit of a like a fisheye, slight fisheye uh, curving to the edges here. That oh, looks good. That one. Thank you. Thank you. I, I need to I need to upgrade my microphone and camera situation. Yeah. But the, you know, uh, low res. Are you? Um, you're gonna. You're cutting all this out, right? All oh no, 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 no! This is all going no, up. No. Direct oh, good. Okay. No, no. I was gonna. Yeah. Okay. No, I was gonna <laughs> say because Zoom. If you, I didn't know if you figured it out or anything. You know, it took me. It took me a bit, but you can always like hit the record and then it'll stop recording and then keep the phone call going, which is mm. nice. Mm. But but yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't know. I, I I think you know that already. I was just like, just in case you. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I mean, I w- you're pretty I, savvy I, with this shit. <laughs> it, it, after maybe about a day of just futzing with it, I was able to master it pretty well. Uh, for some reason, some of the features aren't available to me though. I can't blur the background behind me just because of I guess my mm-hmm. Apple software or OS is not up to date. That's fine. Like, it, I mean, all things considered, I'm pretty I'm pretty content with the way that Zoom works. I just wish it was maybe like 480p at least, but uh, no, it's not so bad. Uh, I do want to figure out how to get like a good slicker look. I was trying to figure out how I can use my um, my DSLR here uh, for the program just to give it like a nice because I feel like if you have a professional look to at least the main camera, then that typically does gangbusters for people checking out the show. And we've been doing pretty good, I think, with episodes and clips doing around like a thousand views on YouTube. But I mean, that's fine for 7,000 subscribers and change. Um, but I think if we want any sort of substantial growth, we got to improve our, our microphones and video quality. So that might be something to do within the next uh, five or six months uh, once we get some more patrons, maybe. I don't know. I yeah. like, I mean, I like the, uh, I like the, um, that was the thing with Perfume Nationalist that I, I really loved was i I forgot the reason why i started it was really listening to his podcast being like everyone should just start a podcast and don't worry about your fucking microphone use the shittiest microphone you can find use the shittiest camera you can find because that is good i was like okay that's a i like that aesthetic all right Uh, and then and just like lean into that because when when i look at something like tim cook's show it's like super clean and everything is tim pool and, tim cook is the guy oh, sorry tim cook yeah, yeah tim, tim pool yeah. fuck Apple. <laughs> yeah uh, tim pool show it's it's very uh it's very slick and clean or or something like joe rogan and there's mm-hmm. something about joe rogan this goes back to gfk too is like joe rogan gets mike baker on right and he's like an ex-cia but everything mm-hmm. every movie you've ever watched it's like there's no such thing as ex-cia right so he's just in there like telling telling joe like Joe's like, oh, what about uh, JFK? Is that uh, is there something weird there? He's like, nah, nothing weird there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I noticed that when, he, when they would bring on, I think Mike Baker would do Opie and Anthony as well. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he would yeah, always yeah. do that same, same shit guy. where it's like, oh, well, they'll bring up conspiracy A, which certainly has a lot of fire around it. They'll be like, no, 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 no. But this one thing over here, like maybe aliens or maybe something with the yeah. WMD. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, go go pay attention to the most boring thing that can't be investigated so yeah he does that sort of thing but also to what you're saying with tim pool and joe rogan 
they don't have like any sort of artistic eye to the way that they shoot their shows. That's true. Like Tim Pool yeah. has terrible angles where it's like uh, slightly overhead and tilted down. So he looks sinister all the time, which he already <laughs> like naturally does. And uh, it's an unflattering like light on his guests. Yeah. And, uh, Joe Rogan, I mean, his studio was atrocious, obviously. It's a little bit better now. It's uh, <laughs> The red submarine thing that he had god damn that was terrible yeah Yeah. Uh, but even that like they're shooting i mean so much effort went into that that program and studio he's got a hundred million dollars and i mean red bar pointed this out i think perfectly where it's a 1080p show but it really looks about 480p it looks like it might be 720p and also another thing is if you have red at all in the image for whatever reason, these platforms cannot process red as well as any other color. So it uh, pixelates it a little bit more. So <laughs> you will have a lesser looking image if you upload a red heavy photo onto Facebook or red heavy video onto YouTube. That is um, something you can probably actually see in the Mass State Lottery trailer because we used heavy red lighting for the mm. car interiors. And those scenes are, if you don't set it to 8K, which I had to upload it in to avoid that, <sighs> Um, you will see pixelation that is not even really there. It's just a, a process of being encoded through YouTube. I don't understand what it is. So over here will be very like bad on this video. Mm. You know, well, but, what do you, um, which show do you? Is there a show that you where you where you like the image quality that gets out? I mean, Red Bar is one of those shows where where it just looks really nice. He does, sure. I mean, that, he was a film guy. Like he, I think he went to film oh. school, so he has all that knowledge that he brought to his program, which has enhanced it and made it look so slick and, and good. Aside from that, it seems like not a whole lot of people have an idea of how it's supposed to be run. I mean, maybe you could say, and this is before he like Netflix got involved, like when Norm Macdonald was doing his podcast and they gave him a studio mm. and all that, but I mean, he wasn't doing that. Like that wasn't him. That was a staff. So I, right. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say it's, it's difficult to say. Yeah, yeah, that's to me it's always like this. There's always some sort of um unless it's somebody like Red Bar who you know it's just it just he's and cuz he tells you it's just like it's just me and I'm just here with my wife and we're doing this right here like in the next room. Um unless it's like like that, I hate that thing of like tr- setting up a kind of like a radio show cuz like that was that thing I think Jack had been talking about was like not like don't don't turn it into a radio show this isn't radio it's something different and then when you turn it into radio it kind of like it, it's kind of like like uh it's kind of like molesting the medium in a way it's like you're you're perverting the medium by like trying to make it into this like little NPR. sanitized yeah yeah, yeah. it's like npr situation and you know yeah, you the- you lose yourself and your personality to professionalism which is something that, I mean, it's not a, a, a video show, but that's what happened to Mark Marin. Mark mm. Marin's whole thing was, ah, I'm just doing this out of my garage and I have cats. And I'm uh, neurotic and uh, I'm bad with women. And I'm going to talk to my comedian friends from 25 years ago that I have problems with. And then it turned into, well, now I have a responsibility to deliver a certain caliber <sighs> product and talk to a certain kind of person. And yeah. uh, that's what killed the show. Yeah, and and they never get into anything interesting at all ever. Like, there's no pushback on these people. Like, I I want to hear like pushback. I want people to and I like that's why I like about you and Hans is that like 
Hans will just watch them and be like, no, this is total shit. Like you'll go on for five minutes, you'll go on for five yeah. minutes being like, I love the look and the texture. And you're like, nah, this is just like right away with this JFK. You're like, this movie yeah, fucking yes, sucks. did not say that at all. We're talking about, oh yeah, so Oliver Stone's masterful directing style here. And Hans is just a bulldozer into that conversation. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's it's very obnoxious in real life. I don't. I've never seen anyone that reacts positively to me doing that. So I, I try to not do it because it tends to just ruin the experience while you're watching it. Well, but if you're in an yeah. office and someone's like, "Oh, that new episode of Lost was great," and you're like, "I fucking hate Lost." Fuck that's, yeah. that shows for stupid idiots. The writing yeah, but, terrible. You have to be yeah. brain dead to understand it. Yeah, but I love that shit because like, you you end up like just agreeing with people even if you do hate it you're just like yeah uh, i don't watch it i i was very tired or whatever you make an excuse or you just go uh-huh uh-huh but then but what i like is i'll be like i'll be nodding and someone will be like no that thing was shit and i'll be like uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> you know what i mean like, yeah. like yeah that's true too yeah like, i mean i think I, it's just it's I, just I, I not holding a, I, well, huh. I was gonna just say i think there's a time and a place for that kind of politeness certainly but uh, to what we've been talking about, like one of the big general things of this conversation has been the coddling of the average American, right? And not having to deal with the discomfort of any sort of social interaction. And so something like that, I find, yeah, of course, refreshing, especially in this context where it's more of an open forum. You can rely on like your co-host to not be pissed off about something you're saying or, or saying <laughs> I, like the guest or whatever yeah. that might be. Uh, that's something that I... I are you guys familiar? I mean, Hans, I know you're familiar. Anthony, have you seen Frank Hassel's videos? No. Frank Hassel is somebody you should probably check out. You might get a laugh out of that. He is just, uh, he's very obnoxious to people in public. And at first, <laughs> when I was watching those videos, it was a lot like, damn, this dude's a fucking sociopath. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's a problem. This guy's, this is fucked up. And then you watch it enough and it's kind of like, People are are so comfortable in public and something bad could just happen at any moment that this is compared and like, especially that this is being played for humor. This is something that's funny. That's comedy, really. It's not too different than people fucking around with other people, except he's saying like, oh, it's you, the man who raped me in my dream last night at like an elevator <laughs> yeah. volume. And then the police will come and do something. Um, I, I, I mean, it's kind of, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like it's weirdly necessary in this kind of cultural environment. That That sort of abrasiveness i think so i, I, I yeah go ahead. i honestly think that it's just not holding anything or not taking yourself so serious like i like what i like but at the same time it's like if you like something that i don't like it's not gonna take away from my enjoyment of it so you can like whatever you like and it could be or i could think that is the worst piece of shit in the world but at the same time it's like I don't have a problem with you enjoying it because it's your thing. So I'm, I'm still going to think that it's a piece of shit, no matter how <laughs> emotional you get about it. Uh, but uh, it's also the thing of like, I don't like uh, having arguments about things like this because at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not going to change your mind and you're not going to change my mind because I like it and you don't. So it's like, I'm not going to pretend that I like something just because I want you to like me, but instead I see it as more endearing. The fact that, someone will have an opinion that even though it doesn't match with mine, uh, they're just confident enough to say it and not getting to the whole, you know, I don't want to disagree with this person to not hurt, hurt their feelings or like not pretend that I don't like this thing when I don't. Uh, and I think that happens with us a lot where uh, 
what was the last what was the movie the the year of the dragon i think that i thought was oh, yeah, a complete yeah. Which, piece of shit that's been a popular <laughs> yeah. ep- i mean it wasn't on youtube that was like the one episode that kind of i think the algorithm might have buried it because it didn't even match similar numbers to previous episodes but that did pretty well on itunes and spotify and i got a lot of feedback that that was a great episode from people because you know your opinion on it was totally different from mine and uh yeah. also uh you know i i do feel comfortable being able to say that I spent almost $60 on Zack Snyder's Justice League on Blu-ray <laughs> in spite of Hans's, uh, you know, relentless criticism of the master Snyder. Yeah. Who posted Batman eating out Catwoman today. Did you see that? Anthony, you yeah. posted that on Instagram. Yeah, I did. Oh, no. yeah. I was, was like, beautiful. what? This is a, th- you know how people will switch the account name to something else? Like it'll be uh, CNN News <laughs> and it'll be somebody else obviously i thought that's what happened today until i saw the check i was like what well yeah 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 i i like that he did that that's hilarious yeah that that was fucking great Um, well my thing is i i'm like i go i can go either way man like (laughs) that's funny but i but if you if when you i like hearing people talk about like uh jack will go into and you will go into the movies and i'll be like yeah man i fucking dig where you're at and then hans will come in and be like no, dude, this is fucking shit. And here's why. And I'll be like, yeah, you're right, actually. I, <laughs> that's my visceral reaction to Year of the Dragon. Like, all the thoughts kind of aside, I remember watching that movie and just being like, what the fuck is this? Because like, <laughs> I, I really liked uh, Heaven's Gate. And then I watched, I watched Year of the Dragon. I was like, is this the same fucking guy? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that, that's something about that movie that does not carry over from Heaven's Gate. I feel like the Deer Hunter and Heaven's Gate feel certainly uh, more epic. And that yeah, one's just kind of yeah. like a small little crime film. Uh, and we're yeah. going to be doing a show on the Sicilian uh, next week oh. with uh, a guy who hosts the Midnight Movies uh, Cowboys podcast. And I have not seen that movie. Apparently, it's like a loose sequel to The Godfather, or at least the, the novel of it was. And then they adapted it with Christopher Lambert. And uh, that's Michael Cimino's maybe last film of the 1980s. So wow. we're going to be getting into that pretty soon. But to what you were saying before about Pope of Greenwich Village, I would love to do a show on that. And we, we were thinking about doing um, like a 1980s Mickey Rourke retrospective. Mm. So maybe we could do, because we just did uh, uh, the Kino cast with... Uh, the Kino Corner on YouTube and Oki. Oh and yeah, be, okay. Th- that show's going to be coming out probably pretty soon, and uh, we're going to have that. Sh- I'm just, I'm, I'm just happy that they don't hate us. <laughs> I thought hate that you. by the end you, of that, Hans well, <laughs> was a brace of Hans that we're talking about here, and so Kino uh, was like, uh, he's he's a big Salo buff, and he put out a video essay about the importance of Salo, and so Hans, not knowing this. You know, he goes to Hans. So, Hans, have you ever seen uh, Salo? What are your thoughts on Salo? <laughs> and Hans goes, well, "Well, Hans, what did you say?" I I, I pretty much said, uh, "Fuck that movie because it's made for shock value." And it's like, "Oh, we get it. People eating shit. Oh no, that's horrible." <laughs> like that. That was my attitude towards it. And then he just went on for like five minutes about how important it was and i was like oh well i mean i guess you i must i guess i just have to rewatch it I, that I was really also the same that. time that oki, <laughs> oki and i decided to go take a piss break so hans was just left defending <laughs> his opinion against like the foremost pasolini expert because i mean that was i think that was hans's perspective on it which was like looking at it through more of a yeah. horror movie a serbian film point of view yeah. as opposed to pasolini's commentary on fascism um 
1970, yeah. whenever that was released. Yeah, no. Then I, mean, I also I also made fun of the guy from School of Rock dying, uh, which apparently was very close to his heart. That's too that's too soft, man. Like like if you can't take that shit, like I I I I can I can see either way with it. And also though, if you're gonna write like this long thing with it, if it, about a movie. I mean, I feel the same way. When I watch a movie, and if I'm watching people eating shit, I'm like, "Why the fuck am I watching this movie?" Like, I, I get it. Okay, it's about fascism or something. Like, I don't fucking care. I don't. I you know, I don't want to watch that. I, I, you know, I feel like the the sometimes that shit just gets so fucking like pretentious. And I understand it's, it's like, important. It's like it's, it's like, like a very it's like a very we get it movie yeah we understand yeah. well, well let me, let me just to... also state for the record as we continue bash salo that <laughs> kino was not was not upset with hans's opinion oh okay. uh so it, yeah. it was awkward it was an awkward point of the conversation yeah. for you hans not for, i was fine but uh it was all good water under the bridge they're coming on tomorrow night so oh, everything's <laughs> everything's good there yeah, yeah, like yeah. them there's no beef. We were just worried. No. We were we were worried because what was it? He didn't answer one of your. Oh, texts here's or oh here's here's what happened. Here's oh, what happened, shit. which had us yeah. like, oh shit, did that go bad at the end? So, um, <laughs> I I thought it, I thought it was a great show. Hans thought it was a great show. Oki thought it was a great show. I Kino thought it was a great show. But what Kino I guess did the next day was um, deactivate his Twitter, and so I had sent him a DM. I was like, hey, you want to come on my my podcast sometime next week? And I didn't know he deactivated, so I was just like, "Oh fuck!" I didn't get a reply. He he must have thought that that show went bad. And so I told Hans, I was like, "It was probably the Salo comment you made about railing into Salo." And so it just turned out that he was like done with Twitter for that week and uh, needed a break, which is beyond understandable. And uh, we have the show coming tomorrow. We're going to be talking about Criterion's little statement that they put out recently. Now I've I've been I've been saying it for a long time. Criterion is dead. Criterion okay. is not the same Criterion that we once knew and loved. Criterion has been done since early 2020. Yeah. And um, that first showed itself with the Amazon and Netflix deal that they made where they were going to take some of their new movies. And then also when the riots were happening, they decided to release a statement that a lot of people didn't catch wind of where they were like, all right, so we're going to do we're going to do more uh, diverse filmmakers and we're going to give like 15% of the profits to BLM movements uh, that we get from Criterion Channel. And they started uploading total garbage as a result. Like, look, you do what you you want to do with your money. You know, you were on life support when you were film struck. Okay. So you're giving out money now. You're giving out my money now for political causes, whatever. All right. I'll forgive that. What do you got to offer? Oh, an African lady short film, a thesis film from film school in 1992. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is yeah. fucking terrible. I hate you. Die and go to hell. So I, yeah. I stopped. I stopped <coughs> with the Criterion Channel for a second. Then I hopped back in because they got some good movies. They, they learned their lesson. People weren't watching that shit. And now it's all down downhill once more. Yeah, yeah. They well, went back a, to it. I don't get it. You like my comment, I think you were making fun of, I don't know if you were making fun of me or not, but I think that the problem that Criterion has is that they have presented themselves as like this intellectual movie releaser, right? Where people think that they're just 
intelligent by just watching the movies they put out just by just by buying criterion they think that they're already intellectuals that's film school. Uh, and it shows you all the right. important smart people film so if you watch those movies and listen there's a lot of good for in criterion's defense they got to like 1500 1700 titles before they started pulling this shit so there's yeah. there's a lot to be gained from from checking out those movies i i'll 100 percent say that um you know my knowledge of cinema and my well-versedness in a lot of, um, you know, the creative aspects of it and just the, the history of film uh, would not be what it is if it wasn't for Criterion releasing certain films and paying attention to those. But, uh, I mean, it's not the be-all, the end-all. It's like, it's the same thing with people who go to college and suddenly think they're an expert because they got the film or, or the um, the academia version of a certain whatever it is they're, they're they're learning about you know there's more to it than just that and i think a great right. thing that's happening right now is a lot of new boutique distributors are here to compete with them and offering it's mostly like niche kind of cheesy mm -hmm. b movies horror movies but from that something new can evolve at least and i've seen this with vinegar syndrome vinegar syndrome uh started remastering softcore porn and things like debbie does dallas or abel ferrer's first film uh the nine lives of a wet pussy and now they're getting more into artsy fare. So, I mean, you can start at a base that's maybe not flattering and grow out of that with time. And I think hopefully we wind up seeing some good uh, film archivists uh, be propped up from these new places that are, you know, gaining their footing. Yeah, you would think like um, all of... Uh... Hal Ashby's or something, or all of Altman's movies would get the get get more than like one Scorsese movie in there or something. Just, I mean, just to get a Tarantino movie, get a, or even a Paul Thomas Anderson movie or, or something that's like that that's part of the narrative of film from the the whole story. And I understand that like people of color and they want, but people of color, it's like they're not buying Criterion Collection and watch for those movies. Right. And the white people who it's mostly pretentious white people, and they're not watching yep. movies either. They're just like maybe, maybe, maybe they do. I'm sure there's people on the Upper West Side up here that watch that shit. But no, they buy them so that they can post a picture on their Instagram about them having the movie, but they don't watch it. That's honestly yeah. probably it. I that, I can honestly <laughs> yeah. say that's probably. It. I mean, look, there's a lot of interesting film history that um, you know does relate to minority directors like Oscar Micheaux or, you know, just the early 20th century black filmmakers having their own small separate industry and how difficult that must have been to get your movies shown in yeah. either black theater, black run theaters or uh, progressive enough theaters during that time where they're willing to take a chance and show an all black cast and crew film, you know, that, that I find very fascinating, but what, like the approach that they've taken is not that. No, it's no. a little bit of that. And a lot of, everything else that is redundant to that um it's jordan peele activism yeah you know where, where it's like well this guy's black so i mean that's fills the quota and it's like well what's his life experience been like has he struggled for anything has he been successful for over 10 years like he has been and you know since what mad tv i guess you can you can uh Call it back I mean, look, to, in, where in it's fairness, like... though, that's a lot of directors to begin with. It's all nepotism yeah. and upper crust kids uh, getting mm. a break. Like even Spike Lee. Spike Lee got to know Martin Scorsese while he was still at NYU. And that's mm, a lot right. of the reason why he has the career that he has now. 
So, and I like Spike Lee. I think Spike, a lot of Spike Lee's early films are, are fantastic and deserve to be in the Criterion Collection. But to what yeah. you were saying, Anthony, there's no reason why they couldn't obtain a Tarrant. Like, you see all these auteurs that, that stemmed from the 90s, like Paul Thomas Anderson, Tarantino, et cetera. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a desire to obtain those or go the extra mile and uh, offer a restoration of that and some good, like, special features that enhance the movie. Where, I mean, Arrow, it, Arrow put out a uh, 4K old boy Blu-ray that has all these, like, TV spots that have been cleaned up and just cool little niche weird things from that time period. They have True Romance coming out, and that's like the first real uh, step in the direction of getting Tarantino's movies into one of these boutique distributors. But if you take a look at any of his films on on Blu-ray, and DVD is a little bit better, weird, weirdly enough. There's like very little supplements or care put into the the um, the disc that is there for the movie. Yeah, I feel like they um, with with Criterion they they they're having like an existential. They don't know what they are. Mm. It's the same thing with the New York Film Festival. They, they they don't know what they're doing. Like they they don't know what they are. They have no. When the the last director of the film festivals, his name was uh, Kent Jones or. Yeah, I think it was Kent Jones. He was he worked with uh, Scorsese as like a ghostwriter for years and got to meet him. Kind of he kind of lives he lives around here, but I would see him and stuff. And he brought he would bring in Fincher's movies. He brought in uh, Inherent Vice for when that came out. He brought in you know, you know Gone Girl, and then he brought in uh, I think he was trying to get Hateful Eight, but it didn't work out or something. But he would he would kind of mix it up with with. Um, different foreign films from Korea, from China. I remember just watching this like really boring like period piece from China. I was just like, whoa. But it was juxtaposed with like seeing the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie or or The Joker was like two years ago. They 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 had that there and that was his last one. But uh the new people take over and you're like, what is this? Like nobody is going to watch this. It's the same thing with Criterion. It's like they don't know what they have. I don't know if there was change management or something happened. I have no the board. I don't know, but it's like you have to. There's definitely people that uh, POC movies that you know people of color have made that, like you were saying, like are really interesting. Someone like Black Caesar or something. I don't know, just black exploitation or just like show us like the cool shit and and give us some like you know background to it so that we can educate ourselves or. Or Putney Swope, right? The, uh, the Robert Downey well, Senior film, I, just stuff like. I that. think if you're going to show the experience, mm-hmm. don't give me the experience that a third generation person has had in America, yeah. Yeah. because that's not r- the real experience of of that minority. You know, because they, mm-hmm. it's been sanitized. They, it's not like their parent were that immigrant. That's more realistic, I think, or more close to reality than if you're being, you know uh either successful or at least lived in a more sanitized upbringing because of the advantage of being in that country for longer you know it's not like your parents were the ones that just crossed the border and have been struggling the whole time uh but yeah i i my problem with with uh criterion and and most uh i guess POC of released uh, movies that have come out recently is that the voices that are getting elevated are not people that have lived or struggled anything yeah. uh, because they're either liberals that are educated in like these huge universities and they've had, you know, the, the best education, they come from a privileged family. So it's, 
it's the type of experience that a Lin-Manuel Miranda will give you in one of his movies, you know, where it's like, as a person of color, you've never met anyone like that. You've never uh, interacted with those people of color that he presents in there. But because he's lived this life where he's never struggled for anything. I, I mean, I don't know his life story, but I know he's been involved in this type of thing for a long time. So he's it's like it's like trying to get Jay Z to write a uh, an album about slinging dope now. 30 years after he's had to do it and expect it to still be, you know, relevant. Uh, whenever I see that Lin-Manuel is putting something that's like uh, color people, or, well, whatever, I'm one of them, so I can say it. Uh, a POC uh, person uh, point of view of something, I know that that's going to go through a lot of sanitation where at the end of the day, it's not for me and it's not for any other person of color anymore. So at the end, the experience that's supposed to be elevated so that we know those people that maybe we don't interact with every day, it's an experience that's not legitimate and it's not authentic. So everyone that sees it has a different idea of what the reality actually is because this is the only exposure they have to that. So at the end of the day, you don't either get the reality of what we go through and then you, you make all of these ideas in your head of things that are not actually happening and, and ways that people don't actually interact because that's the only uh, insight to it that you get, you know? And yeah, yeah. There's the, 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 the narrative of like the systemic racism or like uh, yeah. I was thinking about the movie Get Out and like at least that was clever enough to be like, no, the liberals are these people who are just these, right. like weird people who want to like take over black people's minds you know they want to vote you know and these are the same people which, who are like, oh, vote for obama three times yeah exactly is, yeah which is yeah. pretty yeah okay. yeah it's, that, it's like they said the the quiet part out loud yeah, <laughs> you're I not know. supposed to say that but yeah it's yeah, to and, yeah and if, it, if it's gonna be something like that it's like it's almost like these people are too afraid to sort of turn around and be like, you know, I mean, this is what you hired me for. You want me to, you want me to do my race shit? Well, I'm going to go against you, the people giving and, me the money and exploiting me for this shit. It show that. I, I think the problem is also that, that the people that are producing these movies, they don't actually want to see what the reality is because the right. reality is much worse than what they want to present us you know they they're not going to show a miserable family of puerto ricans that hate each other because of that type of life that they're living and how nothing's going in their way no they they go with the you know the dad that's very hardworking and mom mom she's so loving and she cooks for everyone every day and the kids they kind of shitheads but you know they're good kids and even though they're around a the neighborhood that's very dangerous They'll pull through because they've been raised properly. And it's like, well, what the fuck is, is this? Leave it to Beaver, but they're brown? Like, that's not real. That's not the reality. And, and those are the voices that are elevated to represent those things that, to me, just, you know, I, I and, and, and I, I, I don't like uh, confidently saying that um, that's not what they all go through because my, my life experience is completely different than anyone that lives in the States. Uh, goes through but at the same time uh i know latin american people and i've interacted with them in different countries not just here so i know that whatever sanitized version that they're presenting is not close to reality anywhere unless you're one of those privileged people that you know you want your story told i guess uh as like a 
struggle story, even though you don't really struggle for anything. And In the Heights is the perfect solution to that. You said it was the most relatable Hispanic Latinx yeah. film to come out in recent memory. Latinx. It's not Latinx. It's Latinx. And, and you you would think that this um, that the that the, the people that make these movies they're always talking about socialism. They're always talking about you know some of them are some of them are very leftist and all this, but their movies are completely devoid of economics, of the economic situation. They're completely yeah. devoid so that if you're a white person and you watch that, you can go, oh, I can relate to at least their economic situation. Like they're living in in like poor home they don't have enough money to eat they don't have enough, you know uh, that causes um a type of sort of hatred angriness like it's this it's this um it's like it's it's like another just same old shit of blown opportunity of, of instead of being diverse and being able to go hey look we are we are the same we might live in different places we might have a different culture but we're also poor and we don't, and we struggle to make it by, and we have our own fucking hangups, and uh, we can be racist too, you know, and that type of shit. You just we have flaws. We have not flaws, just because you know? we're a person of color, we're perfect, which is what they present, you know. Yeah, Someone that's yeah. Just... And I think, I think if you were to talk to people in the industry too, those like those entertainers and stuff, they would. I think some of them would relate. I mean, I've been to LA. I lived in LA, and that like the the, the locals in LA, the people who are from there, are are actually very nice people but when you talk to people who are like working actors there and stuff it's just like they are fucking they want to be a product man they're like wrap me in plastic and slap a fucking price on my head baby (laughs) they do not i i think anybody in that lin-man like miranda if you talk to that guy you're not even talking to a person he's just like looking right past you there's no yeah, yeah. It's the manu- manufacturer identity, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and then then again, it goes back to the fucking economic shit. They're just like, hey, they're paying me. I don't, I don't give a shit about any any type of philosophy or anything like that. I'm trying to get a pool in my mm. backyard or whatever. <laughs> That's kind of like one that. of the great things, though. I think about um, the COVID lockdowns when everybody had to resort to filming at home. Uh, you quickly saw just how lame everybody was without a thousand staff members tailored to them to, you know, dress them up and make them look as good as possible, as quick and as witty as possible. Yeah. The editing wasn't as slick. Um, that's something I'm going to miss is uh, the subtle humiliation of these people trying to conduct interviews on Skype and seem relatable, but still above you, you know? Yeah, dude. Good so the call. Inter- their internet cuts off or, or, starts lagging and it's just like ah. <laughs> <laughs> been there yeah. i can relate <laughs> Fuck, fucking losers with no lives that like crave attention from people mm-hmm. i was i was talking to somebody earlier uh, and and we were talking about how when you when when you the people in la and those people who get famous and shit now and, and probably then too i don't know uh most of the people like in the the, the eras that we love like in the earlier era of the you know you know the sort of mid 20th century those people all fought in world in world wars like they were like all of all of the all the actors were like in world war ii like all of them all the directors john houston all these fucking guys lee marvin fucking you know these but, but uh but these people they didn't go to war most of them went from like homecoming king and queen and they were like, you could be an actor. 
you're really good looking and you're wow you're so trying and then they go to la and they have this mindset of like i was the homecoming king people i'm a star i'm I'm a star yeah and and they never get this thing that you get that's why i came to new york first because they never get this thing you get when you come to new york which is nobody fucking cares and you're an actor get the fuck out of my way you smell like you, 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 you know, like, this is about finance here so all of your art shit is just bullshit but if you go directly to la you can create your little insular community who prop you up and go like yeah you are yeah i remember you in high school and you're the nerdy guy but you're cool with me you know and they, and they stay in this like stunted and that's who you see get famous. That's why they're all whack and they don't know how to dress themselves. And they, and they, you know, they don't know how to, they don't know how to dress. They don't know how to uh, like what, what car to drive, how to, how, like what, what art, good architecture is, or like. That, you, you know, know what? That, that is something that I've noticed, especially recently over like the past five years. It's just, they are devoid of style. There is no yeah. sense of style <laughs> among tons of uh, well-known famous people. And it's not limited to actors either. I think yeah. it transcends, uh, quite a few different things uh, and, and shows itself in subtle and also very obvious ways, like how a person dresses. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the closest you get to them finding styles like Taika Watiti and his boring ass fucking like three piece suits oh, and Christopher God. Nolan is always wearing a, like this stupid suit. It, like it, but it has, but it doesn't look like when David Lynch. Taika, right. Taika Waititi, especially I find it egregious because you, you, he thinks he has style. He yes. thinks being like a Wes Anderson <laughs> character means he has style yeah. and he just <laughs> looks like a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna pose on my balcony and do my little fake threesome kiss with my wife, my yeah. masculine wife and uh Tessa Thompson. Yeah, this will be a fake publicity stunt. This will be great. Wow, you're really uh you know, you're standing out from the rest of Disney herd. Yeah, Damn, yeah. Dude, you're cool. And and Wes Anderson looks like just an autistic kid who like never leaves the house. He's never <laughs> when he goes to other countries, he goes to the suite. And he's just, and he doesn't go out and like go buy a sombrero when you're in Mexico. He goes to like the suite and then there's a pool. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, if you look at John Houston and these guys are, um, Polanski, you look at uh, the way that Steve McQueen, he's still a style icon. If you go to the certain, you know, like I, I get a, like, I'll, I don't get a lot, but I'll get certain things from a, a website called The Real McCoys. And it's like all handmade shit in Japan. Really great looking Americana shit from like the 60s, from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, some 40s stuff. But it's like that old construction shit where, the, where the, mm. you'll have one shirt and that shirt will last for like mm. 10 years. But that's how those guys used to dress. You take a look at that and and how it, it wasn't – they were stylish because they didn't give a shit. They were just skinny. They were just like, oh, here's a shirt. I'm going to wear this shirt. And they're like, ooh, look how sexy he looks that shirt. <laughs> and this, it's like the, the shirts are, I don't know, the, 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 it's so bland. And a lot of it's like that hip hop culture where it's got to be a really long shirt. It's got to be like a brand new suede red ja- leather jacket that like can't even zip up or anything. It's a, comp- there's no function to it. Uh, yeah they yeah i mean the the way they wear their hair they don't ever it's always just this one one product to the next product they're just on their way to to just selling it's fucking it's, gross it, it was like uh express for men took over the fashion yes. of the culture for a while and uh you know maybe with like a touch of nordstrom and then 
I, it really, I think, came full circle with somewhere like Primark, where Primark had like pretty decent, very cheap clothing that you could wear Hell yeah. once. And that's then it what would I would shrink. When I lived in England, <laughs> you wear those shirts, you wash them maybe three times. And then it's just like, it, and they're either you give it to the, the youngest in the yeah. family. And <laughs> they're either trans, transparent or, or they rip. Like they're really shitty, but you right. look good a couple of times. Yeah. Yes. But you can, it, you can like, look good for a week with Primark yeah. and that's about it. Yeah. yeah, and this yeah. shit like permeates to like you know for everything we were talking about with sexuality and everything. It's like where did these fucking brain worms start? Where everything just got like really, everyone they got no flavor. They don't know how to act. They don't know how to fucking direct. They don't know how to move the camera like it's a th- like it's a character. Like they've lost like everything has lost all fucking flavor in it. Like and, and you go to from music. There's this guy who wrote a comic book about like the Strokes. And how they were like this – it's not the whole comic book. It's about, about culture and everything, but how like the Strokes came out, and they were like, yeah, they're pretty good, but what are they? And then you see the same guy post uh, something on Twitter. I forget his name, but he, he, he see like the Strokes the other night were like playing a show, and AOC was there on stage with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, yes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what the Strokes are. They're fucking full of shit. They're fucking nothing. They're nothing. <laughs> And it, it, but they dressed, you know, when they came out, they 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 created a whole fad of like the going to get the vintage shit, the tight vintage stuff, the you know, oh, not yeah. washing your hair and being mm. greasy. But it's, I don't know, like I mean, no one really <clears throat> sort of uh, does that stuff now, except to sort of make a statement or whatever, like tattoos and stuff. And and uh, but but uh, that's. It's whatever, whatever the new fad is, it's always directed towards just, it's just blatant like product. It's never like um, this idea of being natural, which mm-hmm. those guys like Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, those guys would have, uh, and, and women too. I, I can't think of any because I, I'm I, uh, maybe Faye Dunaway or something like, or, or what's her name? The, the weirdo, Diane Keaton. I was, like, yeah, I was just thinking of Diane Keaton in the 70s, had her own like nerdy great, kind of. Cute, yeah, yeah. But classy too, you know, the high collars and shit. It's like now it's all about, um, I don't know, it's all bullshit. It's all MTV rap shit. I don't know. I don't get it. I sound like an old man. <laughs> yeah, rap music. It sucks. The death of music. Um, I was thinking about this uh, just the other night because I feel like when we when we're having these conversations about like, well, why is film not the same as it was in 1975? I mean, it doesn't look the same. These areas don't look the same. We usually wind up coming to one conclusion or another. It's like, well, New York City's cleaned up. Well, not really. It's just that they're not going to the areas they might have shot in in 1978 or whatever it might be. Or they're not as common to come by. People don't want to discomfort themselves. I think the reality is it's kind of like um, it's kind of like uh, the way that I think about it. And I'm not necessarily endorsing this perspective of the 1998 Republican. But, uh, you know, the argument of like, well... You know, if you allow gays to get married next week, you're going to be marrying your dog. And people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? You crazy old Southern bigot, racist, piece of shit, sexist, what, et cetera, et cetera. Now, once you do get that out of the way, you, you know, the, the normal person concedes, all right, yeah, I mean, gay people aren't bothering anybody. Who gives a shit? It's not my business. I don't care about that. Go ahead, get married. Um, yeah. Now, that happens. 
And then there's a bunch of other battles along the way that wind up getting conceded or folded into this one. And then there's the next battle. And it's kind of a similar thing. It's like, oh, is this really worth my time? All right, fuck it. All right, I concede that point too. Next one. Uh, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, we got it. This one's not even a big deal. We're done with it. Well, all these little concessions wind up adding up into something that is brand new. And I think that's kind of what has happened with film, where they have taken all these, starting first with, well, are we even going to use film? We can use digital, and we can use digital indefinitely, really. I mean, if we just have enough memory cards and a battery, we're, we're ready to go for hours. That's the first one. And then I think you wind up getting tons of others along the way. And, uh, you know, a lot of complications um, relating to maybe even unions and having to do things this way and that way as opposed to on the fly and doing things guerrilla style, just going out with a camera and a crew, uh, do, paying people under the table, whatever it might be you wind up losing a sense of what this was and what it was when it was most popular by conveniencing yourself at every corner or looking for ways to get out of the difficult situation of doing something. And then you just wind up watching a bunch of soft computer images, really. And that's not a whole lot like what you were looking at back in 1985. I met one, yeah. I met one of the producers of the movie uh, *Romance and Cigarettes*, and uh, this was when I was doing the web series. And I, uh, I got hooked up with her through my my uh, father-in-law. Um, my late father-in-law introduced me to her, so so he would kind of try to get us together every time we were at a dinner or something, start talking. And I remember she was like really preoccupied when I was talking about the project. She's like, who, who, who can you get to attach their name to it? She's like, if you could get somebody to attach their name to like anybody in your head, like, what do you think? Like, who do you think would like it? Like, like who, who do you think you, you would, who do you think that you like would, would want to attach their name to it? I was just like, uh, I have no idea. I, uh, David Cronenberg, David Lynch. Uh, she's like, yeah, you know, focus on that. And then maybe, you know, develop it that way. So it's like, it's almost like the ideas from the inception have to be packaged and sold to a potential buyer. Like a potential, like oh, it, it, so the same woman. A few years later, they were producing another movie. It's on Showtime. It's called like, uh, and I said it too. They they gave us a preview viewing of it. I was like, this is a fucking Showtime movie. This is not doing anything. But they they wanted to get uh, Oprah to attach her name to it. Oh, and it had Jennifer Hudson. The movie had Jennifer Hudson, Anthony Mackie, and uh, somebody else, and and. I think Alicia Keys did the soundtrack and she wouldn't attach her name to it because the help was coming out that year. So she wanted to like only give her name to this thing because this thing was already going to be prepackaged to go to the awards. So she couldn't like go, Oh, I'm also going to put my name on this. There's like, no, only one. So it's like this, it's, it's not just like one gate that's being kept. It's just like a circle of gates that, that are being kept and that guy, Craig Zoller, at least, is like able to uh, you drag it across concrete, 
right? Is that his name? Craig Zoller? Yeah, uh, S. Craig Zoller. Yeah. It's funny you bring him up. Zoller. I just bought, because uh, on his website, you can buy his scripts, some that have oh. been produced, some that haven't been produced. And I kind of just wanted, I was in the mood to read something of his because I love his movies. And, um, you know, I know he has books coming out and this and that, but I'm not really in the market to be buying books. I got some books over <laughs> here I haven't read. I've been reading the John Houston book you, 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 uh, you know, let me uh, check out. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I've yeah, also been into Black Dolly as well. I'm wrapping that up on yeah. audiobook, And that's terrific. Um, revisiting James Elroy for like the f- first time in maybe like 15 years has been a treat. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just wound up getting some scripts because then that also can help with whatever my next project might be once we can wrap up Mass State Lottery. It looks like it's going to be done in September. Um so just like doing that, and he he sells his scripts for like a buck fifty on his website, which is a nice. criminally good deal. Um, terrific writer, mm-hmm. one of the really like one of the few authentic American filmmakers and voices, I think, uh, artistically that is working right now and working with a reasonable budget. Even though all those films are very low budget by studio standards. Yeah, yeah. My 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 thing is like when when the Red Scare Girl uh, with with Dasha, it's like I just hope that I, I always I always say I'm skeptical. So I, I I just hope that like if it is a good movie and it is kind of successful, that she kind of like she's already in season three of Succession. I was working background on it and saw her. She thinks she plays like the lead guy's like girlfriend or whatever. And I and. And I was just like, ooh, that's kind of the move. I guess you have to because you're an actor, okay? But like if she just ends up getting swept up into it and the new Red Scare kind of episode sounds like she's sort of censoring herself a little bit more. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, dude, don't just don't do that, man, because people will come. They will come if if you have and you're a girl and you're cute and if you're talented, you got this nice little thing, this nice little movie, and it's clever. You know, you can you can keep that door open and be like, hey, guys, why don't we just start red pilling people and making these fucking like making different type of shit, making different type of movies instead of going, OK, that movie was a hit, but I'm never going to direct a movie again because why I'm in I'm now in succession all the time and I'm going to just be in a Marvel movie or whatever, whatever that, you know, what I'm saying whatever that like sort of escalation is or like climbing that ladder is it's like. Uh, that girl that did that that feeling when no what is it TFW no GF or whatever, yeah. it's like um, I like what she's doing too. And she said that the next documentary that that she's working on is going to get her canceled. But it's like uh, you know um, to get, and it's just funny that it's that it's women doing it. I just hope that they that they if they do it and they get through it, you prop the fucking door open and create your own little create your own little network here, like your own little side thing so that people, you can build your own products that way and a product that way in, the, in that sense of like this, where you can compare it to it. You know what I'm saying? Like you can compare it to this documentary or you can compare it to the scary on 61st or whatever the fuck and be like, it's in that realm and it's a new realm and it's, it's made for, it's, it's not made for these huge budgets. It's not your normal story, but it's, um, it, it, it's going to fuck with your head a little bit and kind of take that's, you. That's scary though. I, I don't think everyone has the type of personality where if you have the cushiony job being offered to you in one hand, and then you are able to create this niche thing for yourself, 
I don't think that everyone has the personality to say, you know what, fuck it, like, fuck this, like, this, it's not what I actually want to do, because it's so much easier, and the success is so much easier to get if you're working on something like that, than if you're trying to create your own thing, uh, so I think the biggest problem is that, that I don't know if everyone has the personality to say, well, I, all I wanted to do is just get rich with this, and well, yeah, I mean, what we've is, seen so from, I'm, like, if you take a look at any of the canceled celebrities, I mean, who has actually stuck by what they've said when the money is threatened? And look, their fate is already determined. Nobody changes their mind. They These people get shit canned regardless. What? The only one has been Gina Carano, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where she did not apologize for, for tweeting the thing. Everybody else tries to save their career. At the, I mean, e look, even, e I'm not going to name names because, uh, I just, I, I know people, but, uh, I'm not just, any, everybody winds up apologizing, even if it's like a little, well, like Ely Kemper. Do you see that Ely Kemper thing? I don't care out? about her. She's a, she's a dumb bitch. Fuck her. Uh, <laughs> I would like to see her canceled. <laughs> well, it happened. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, when we, when we hop off this show, which is now matching the runtime of JFK, this is about to be the longest episode. <laughs> movie. They're pretty I think we got to go. 10 more minutes and then it's locked then it's guaranteed yeah, that this it. is let's do it Fuck i'm it. i'm for it i'm all hans you hanging in there yeah that's fine okay all right good all right cool so uh yeah i they all wind up bending the knee in a last minute attempt to protect the bag but it doesn't work out and then they wind up in a twice as bad situation because then they wind up alienating the people who are like yeah good for you for not saying anything like kevin hart is another one kevin hart apologized actually sorry he said, I'm not apologizing. And then he apologized. And then he said, that wasn't an apology when he didn't get his way after the fact. Yeah. So that just seems to be the method of trying to, you know, have your cake and eat it too. But it never really works out. Actually, I, I think it might have worked out in Gina Carano's case. Because now they're talking about doing an Emmy run for her and bringing her back to the show. And she's got Ben Shapiro's company. Which on a similar note, um, to add to the Alex Lee Moyer and um, Dasha... Amanda Milius, John Milius's daughter, oh, seems right. to be also going down that trajectory, even though I thought the plot against the president was a little too. See, here's the thing. I would like it more if these people were not making documentaries, if these yeah. uh, women were making yeah. scripted films. I think that's going to lead to more of an impact. Mm -hmm. um, but I, obviously, like any step in the direction away from this trash heap is going to be a good step. Um, they I mean, from what I've heard. She seems to be um, working on uh, like building a production company of some kind and trying to green light certain people's projects, which I think is great. Uh, we'll see what happens. But what I fear is kind of the thing that happened to Cinestate, right? Which I'll say since we're about to be three hours in, which is that they're going in a more, we're embracing the politics direction as opposed Ugh. to just saying, we're not going to do this. Because when you say we're not going to do this, you're opening up a giant sphere of what you can do. And it can be edgy. It can be experimental. It can be interesting as opposed to this is us. This right here, this actual, the opposite thing of that, this is us. And we're going to abide by this and this and this. And then you wind up in God's not dead territory. And that's a bad place to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the fear of that. I told, and well, I see that. My and, biggest and I, problem with my biggest problem with that, sorry, my big problem with that is that uh, why are you playing the same game they're game they're playing if you're trying to do different yeah, things? Exactly, that's what you I was going to say. It's like why, why, why don't you just like be an artist 
and stop trying to think of like, oh, how am I going to get like 400 grand for make, you know, for this, like that type of shit at this point where we're at with like where people are at filmmaking, if you, it's basically where they were at, where they were at with like painting. Like there was all these painters back then. And you're like, nobody knew how much these fucking paintings were worth. No, you know, there's paintings everywhere. Everybody had these fucking paintings. And some of them, you know, some of the ones that you never thought like Van Gogh shit, some of the things you never thought would sell are the most expensive. You know, they, 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 they're worth, they're, you know, worth more than, than anything now. And it's like, that's kind of how you have to view yourself now as a, don't view yourself as this, like, I'm a capitalist with a fucking cigar in your mouth. You're a fucking artist. Like you should be greasy. You should be sweaty. Your, your movies should be just blood, sweat, and tears. And it should be a fucking compelling story. And, it, and the budget is so low, but it's so fucking made with like everything in your soul that when someone watches that, they don't deny it. They go like that. That was fucking crazy right there. That was great. That was a great piece of work. And maybe, yeah, you know, because it's, it could be on YouTube, it could be a Vimeo, it's, it, it, people can just, you know, steal it and whatever, like, or pirate it or whatever. It's like, yeah, maybe you don't get to make, uh, you don't get to make your, your, your impression while you're alive. Maybe you got to wait till you're fucking dead and people go like, like oh. the best artists <laughs> are the ones that, play, that they go, they look at your shit and they're just like, wow, man, that guy was fucking great, you know? too bad he's not around but you know you can still i mean to, to me i just think that mentality is better than going no 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 in this life i have to flourish in this life i need to have like all of the heavenly splendor but if you're any type of like a uh, spiritual person and shit you know that like the the foundation of life isn't about the 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 sort of uh, the pleasure it's about the pain and the work and the suffering and the passion and then you're supposed to go to Valhalla when you fucking die or whatever. But you know what I mean? And, and that's completely lost because we're in this sort of godless, spiritless like uh, society where it's like, no, no, no. You have to eat a cheeseburger tonight because if you don't eat that fucking cheeseburger, um, you know, when are you going to eat a cheeseburger? Tomorrow? It's too late. The like, Roaches are going to eat that cheeseburger. <laughs> You're going to have a great time with that McDonald's patty. <laughs> I, I agree with you, but I also would like a little bit of pleasure just because yeah, sure. I haven't had any. Well, that's because you're a <laughs> sexual like a... deviant. You've... Yeah. Oh, oh, dude, well. when I, I, was living, I was living in a theater in Lower East Side. I lived there for three years. I was the, the, the lead in the plays, and I, I didn't have a fucking I – I was in the New York Times and the fucking art section. I was in backstage. All, all, the, all the publications throughout. I could go in, into the, I could go into the deli. And look at all the publications. You you could see a picture if you went to the art section. You'd see my picture there. It was like something I never fucking th- thought of. But I couldn't buy. I couldn't even buy the paper. I had no money because <laughs> I was living in a fucking theater and just smelling feet all day and eating people's leftovers. Like I was, and you know, but but the the place upstairs would give us free sandwiches. They were like deli the deluxe sandwiches, like ten ten dollar tuna fish sandwiches at this like. Uh, uh what do you call it like a bar kind of place like a sort of chocolate bar or whatever like some some sort of eatery uh i could go down to max fish i could get free drinks there because i knew the guy there and then i could just pick up girls because i was on the lower east side and that was it so that shit will come but sometimes it doesn't right. come in that paper form of, of of cash sometimes you're just gifted shit by the universe but i remember being like you know i mean that shit will it'll, it'll never no matter how much puss no matter how much 
free tuna sandwiches no matter how many free <laughs> you know i would always get to that theater and like look at that fucking theater and be like fuck i gotta go back down there in that hole and that's my fucking life so it's i i don't think but i i also don't think like if you're up in the penthouse you're gonna have that same moment of like yeah i could snort all this coke and i can get all this puss and i, I can eat caviar off like my dick or whatever but you're you're still gonna be like i gotta go back up into that fucking suite and just <laughs> i don't know yeah maybe not i know I, I i think you're absolutely onto something with that i mean obviously you know it's a little different if if you gotta you know approach a woman and be like come back to my theater with me <laughs> I'm like the Phantom <laughs> of the Opera, and you have tuna fish on your breath, you know. But... Let's go smell some feet and tuna fish in <laughs> <with> my breath. <laughs> but I think absolutely, like, uh, that that funnels into whatever you're doing regardless. And you wind up facing the same difficulties seemingly no matter what. They just channel into different aspects of your life. Yeah, I my my biggest uh, i don't even know if i should say this because we have a friend that is in working relations with them but Sinistate, my biggest problem going to be something about yeah. state right yeah yeah my biggest <laughs> problem with them is that at first it seems like they were just making movies that they thought were good to make Hold you on, know you're about stories to that were the same worth. thing that i just said 5 minutes ago yes. late <laughs> yeah because i wasn't listening yeah. yes <laughs> Yes. Uh, but now it's just like ideology. Now it's like, well, there's a school shooting movie and well, the on, school on, shooters on. are blah, blah. We are, we, are, yeah. we are assuming, based on the relationship with Ben Shapiro and Daily Wire, that that's the direction they're going to go and Run, Hide, Fight was done. That was going to be a Cinestate film. There was no... Okay. every All the political costuming of that film after the fact was not part of the movie beforehand and if you okay. watch that it feels like a very like 90s liberal film like there's interracial relations and it's like diverse cast a female-led gun movie like there's nothing about that that on the surface if it wasn't produced by daily wire or obtained by daily wire rather you wouldn't think of that as a republican bend film i don't think yeah, you know, yeah, and I think what I was talking about, like an hour and fifteen minutes ago, was we were, <laughs> was, uh, remember that time I was talking about uh, uh, the characters and story, and I think that hey, remember Joe Pesci's wig in JFK. That was- <laughs> <laughs> no, that, but that that's the thing with like the Sinistate thing. It's like I don't what I, maybe 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 it, maybe it's different. Maybe maybe it comes out pretty cool. But like what I'm trying to get at is that back to that character shit and i don't see them going into like character shit i think it's like i was saying it's like that 70s thing of like the character uh the the people the the story is the character whereas now it's like the 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 character is the story or whatever it's like the character is really just there to fulfill the task of completing the story yeah. the passenger of the story doesn't really do anything that changes it or fucks yeah. it up it's just a part of the story yeah yeah and it's just another ride like here go take your ride take your ride and it's like i i don't know who's i don't and i think the scary of 61st kind of feels like that too i don't know if it feels it's a it's a horror movie right that's what they put it into so i don't i i you know i don't want to talk shit i haven't seen it but but uh and and i i hope it's fucking like i hope i watch it and go yeah that's great but but i don't know i mean it's already in the horror movie genre and i like that, that what was that movie that we were we both watched separately that is the altman movie uh 
uh, not California Split, was it? Yeah, California Split. Okay. It's like a fucking great story. It's just like a it's a, it's a great story about characters who are you know are are, are fucking gambling addicts. Just stuff like just that's mm. it. That's the story. Oh, or or Five Easy Pieces. It's about a guy who's got to go and confront his dad, his like rich father, and he's like a he's a failed son. It's like that's it. Like that's the story. Now you have like no. That's just a sort of side story to the main story, which is that uh, they have to stop the bomb from exploding. But also he's got to like make it up to his dad later, and they're gonna hug it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can look at even JFK as being a character-driven story of Jim Garrison because that's really mm-hmm. the Jim Garrison story. It's based on his book, and it's in and and Costner's in it throughout the whole thing. And you know that character loses his wife. He you know he he got a divorce from his wife. They try to save a homosexual and all this stuff. He was a homosexual, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of destroyed this guy. And and they they don't really go too far into that into his kind of breaking down but um uh like he's he's mostly like stoic or emotional or whatever but a little emotional but like yeah i think i think if if this continues to go that's why i like the s craig zoller because his his movies are about a story but as his uh his sort of trilogy was kind of ramping up and kind of as soon as you get to dragged across concrete which i really loved it was all about these characters that were just and it wasn't a story it was a situation mm-hmm. that's what the that's what the story was the story was like there's a situation but right it doesn't it doesn't have to be a thing that you know it's it goes across five years and he has yeah. to grow in those five no it's just one thing that it's a problem that i have now that i have to resolve now and oh fuck everything went wrong and i'm dead yes you yeah know, that's way more interesting than the, the yeah the alternative yeah. Exactly. I, I completely agree. And he seems to be one of the few directors that does tap into that similar thing like Quentin Tarantino did with the um, the uh, Brad Pitt character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where you have these checkered past characters. And uh, in Dragged Across Concrete, it's probably a little cleaner than actually even his earlier films where, uh, you know, you have the Matthew Fox character who has a, a reputation for killing Indians, women and children mm-hmm. even. And, uh, you know, it's not something he brags about, but it's certainly an element of his character and uh you know it's his you know his expertise when they're on that journey and uh you know the bradley character that vince vaughn plays in brawn cell block 99 when he finds out that his wife cheated on him what does he immediately do he like rips the door off the car or something something (laughs) punches the windows yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he punches out all the windows and i think tears the door off the car so you know you have like a like a glimpse of that maybe um yeah one of uh one of the most exciting filmmakers working certainly and i would like to see another guy that they worked with uh henry dunham i think might have been his name he directed the standoff at sparrow creek which is a good intimate 90-ish minute uh false flag film about how uh the uh, the local police force and i guess the government try to set up a local militia with a shooting so they show up in like jonestown you know, oh. so that's a that's a great piece of filmmaking right there. It was his first film, only film to date, unfortunately. It's like what you're saying about Cliff Booth too. Like Cliff Booth from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like, you get to see where he lives, and his life is like disgusting, right? He's got like beans yeah. in the fucking pan. He's got this dog. He's lit starved all fucking day. It's been inside this hot fucking airstream. You know, he's he's got like a you know he, he, he just. 
not only is he kind of you just get a lot of details with this guy that not only is he could be this kind of killer kind of like that has this killer side to him i mean he he did because he's also like a world war he's he was also a war veteran but he also like just lives in squalor mm-hmm. he lives like a pig like um like elliot gould in the long good and the long goodbye oh yeah or his house is just a fucking flop house like that well, especially when it's compared to DiCaprio, who's trying to pretend that he's this huge star with this lavish life and you have yeah. the comparison of brad pitt is the complete opposite of just i really don't give a fuck like i'm just an act like the stunt double or whatever so mm-hmm. i don't even need the spotlight yeah yeah i really love also how they made dicaprio look like a fat pig at the end of that movie man he looks <laughs> terrible the long the, the bangs and then the bloated appearance you know yeah yeah oh, at the end. it's good the mullet yeah 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 uh, all right. I think I think that's a wrap on this show. It's about to be 3 a.m. Okay. here on the East Coast. And uh, we have definitely, I think, surpassed the theatrical cuts length of JFK. <laughs> we might be in director's cut. Ter- Last question of the show. Would you recommend the theatrical cut or would you recommend the director's cut for first time viewing of JFK or rather for the best viewing of JFK? I, th- I think the director's cut because they put in the... Um the talk show scene with uh that was that was actually johnny that's Carson. right yeah john john uh larry john, john larry kept but that show there was a real show it was with johnny carson it was the only show that they ever did where he had like lines that he was reading to jim garrison like huh. he he went like full state agent and was like ser- like grilling him and he's johnny carson right he's like the comedy guy king of comedy he was grilling jim garrison and like tried to humiliate him on air so it's cool that that, that, that they added. I thought that was a Johnny Carson surrogate, right? But yep. I, I, I've never heard of this. And he's certainly not the type of guy that, you know, you would think would do that. Maybe like a Dick Cavett where he's kind of like a, mm. a, a dick sometimes. Yeah, you know? yeah. 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 He's, yeah, got yeah, a, yeah. he's got a little sharp edge to him. Not, not to the point where it makes him unlikable or anything. But like Johnny Carson was always like the nighttime dad, grandpa you know, type, type of talk show host. But now that feels, I, when I, when I was watching that, I was like, this feels a lot like when Jimmy Kimmel was talking to Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy about the election fraud and how he's like, well, Mike, you know, you were a crackhead at one time. I'm just, I'm look, yeah. I'm worried about you and yeah. how, you know, you might have delusions of grandeur here because at one point you love smoking crack cocaine. And now you're saying the election, it just seems crazy to me, Mike. Look, I, yeah. I like you, but you seem, you seem not well. It's like you yeah. fucking evil piece of shit, man. Piece if I wanted a, a talk show segment to end like Joker in that moment, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely watch the director's cut. It's it's worth if you're because like you like we were saying, man. When we were talking on Twitter, it was like it's just another fucking 10, 15 minutes. Extra. Yeah, it's a. I think there's maybe maybe twenty minutes added to it. And uh, I remember I, I enjoyed the theatrical cut, but I think by the time I finished the director's cut, I, I was like, that was a thoroughly uh, enjoyable, great film. And uh, I didn't even notice that the Larry Kitts uh, scene wasn't in the original cut, but I, you know, that stuck out to me on the second go, especially. Uh, I would probably recommend the same. And obviously Hans would just say, skip it and t- go take a nap, go watch uh, <laughs> Cheers or something. Three hour nap. Go watch yeah. Night Court instead to get John Larroquette. Anyway. Yeah, and actually, we just did Three. Texas Chainsaw, so this is a, a, a Larroquette double feature, technically. Oh, nice! Terrific. <laughs> All right, <laughs> yep. all right. That that's that's the end of the show. Uh, 
check out Anthony's podcast, Slothcast. Hopefully, coming up on on iTunes and Spotify soon. Hans is Hansikin Dose on Instagram and H Word Name on Twitter. The man will be yeah. back on his. I don't own. know. By the way, I don't know. I don't know what's on that Twitter account because I'm not <laughs> posting on it yet. So whatever's there, it's still low res. It's not me. <laughs> I have it's, not touched that account. Is. I've been making vague like uh, insinuations of your return, quoting movies, <sighs> quoting David Lynch films, and just retweeting myself. So that's really the the gist of All that right. for now. But I think you'll. Okay. I think you're good. I think you might be good if you came back this week. I'm uh, I'm also on uh, Twitter, Stanthony Cisco, Stanthony Cisco, at Stanthony Cisco. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. And uh, follow these two gentlemen. So. That has been our longest episode of movies. I'm not chopping this up in two or three parts. We're doing a full three-hour one. That's how it's going to go. That's how it was always meant. This is the director's cut. All right, that's been, that's been movies. <laughs>